Okay. <laughs> I'd like to reconvene the regular meeting of the City Council Public Financing Authority and call to order special meeting of the Housing Authority, Parking Authority, and Successor Agency. City Clerk, can you please call the roll? Yes. Councilmember Mosher? Here. Councilmember Bolton? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Burns? Here. Mayor Vandermark? Here. Councilmember Strickland? Here. Councilmember McKeon? Here. Councilmember Kalmick? Here. All present. Thank you. Um, tonight, the Pledge of Allegiance will be led by our Police Chief and City Manager, Eric Parra. Our invocation will be given by police and fire chaplain Roger Wing. Would you please pray with me as we ask God's blessing on this evening's city council meeting. As we begin our meeting tonight, Lord, we, we pray for your wisdom and guidance as our city council members consider each of the issues on this evening's agenda. As the final meeting of the year, we first want to thank you for your guidance and direction throughout the year on the various issues that have been before the Council. We ask for your wisdom and support for our new mayor and mayor pro tem, as well as for our, each member of the Council as they address the concluding issues of the year and, and prepare for a new year. May we end this year on a positive, encouraging note, reflecting the joy of the season. May you bring your peace, unity, and harmony throughout all the discussions. We pray for each of the speakers who will come into the podium this evening, that you would guide them in what they will be sharing, and that you would give each council member grace and open minds as they hear their comments. And Lord, please guide each speaker that comes to the podium this evening, that they would offer their comments clearly and concisely with dignity and respect. May we all end this year on a positive note. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful and safe year that you've given us in Huntington Beach and for the enjoyable summer season you've provided to our city with all of its special events. And as we're now in the midst of the end of the year holiday season, may you continue to bless our city and provide everyone with a blessed and thankful Christmas, reflecting on the many blessings you, God, daily bring to us. And help us to remember that you are the reason for the season and what its true significance is all is to all of us as this Christmas season unfolds. We ask you to bless each of our city council members and their families, that you would keep them healthy and safe. We pray for each and every one of our first responders and public servants as they so selflessly and faithfully serve our community. And we ask for your guidance and wisdom for each of our city leaders and for all of our city employees who so faithfully and diligently serve us all. Bless our meeting this evening and may your peace and wisdom guide all that occurs tonight. May the joy that you brought to this world fill us with the hope and joy as we look forward to all that you will do in our lives and in our city in 2024. And we ask this in your wonderful name, Lord. Amen. We're now moving on to closed session reports. City Attorney, do you have anything to report from closed session? Nothing tonight, Mayor. Thank you. 
Announcements and supplemental communications. City Clerk, do we have any supplemental communications? Yes, we do, Mayor. For uh, Council Committee's appointment announcements, item five, a memorandum was received from Shannon Levin, our Council Policy Analyst, regarding revisions to the Mayor's 2024 Council Liaison List. For consent calendar, item nine, an email received regarding the acceptance of funds from the California Department of Housing and Community Development. For item 11, a communication received regarding sports, excuse me, sports fields improvements at Edison Park. For consent item 20, a memorandum received from Chow Vu, our Director of Public Works, regarding revisions to the proposed two-year service agreement with Circuit Transit, Inc., and that will um, modify the uh, motion as amended by supplemental communication when we take a vote on that. And also an email received regarding um, the same service agreement. Uh, for council member items number 20, 12 emails Reserve, uh, receive regarding establishing a monthly program to honor the historic heritage of the United States, State of California, and City of Huntington Beach. I'll announce public hearing items at that time. Thank you. Uh, moving on to public comments. City Clerk, do we have anyone signed up to speak? Right now we have 36 signed up to speak. Um, would you like to call up the first 10? And I'll be reading the <clears throat> statement first. Very good. At this time, the City Council will receive comments from members of the public regarding any topic, including items on the open session agenda. Individuals wishing to provide a comment may do so in person by filling out a request to speak from delivered, form delivered to the City Clerk. All speakers are encouraged but not required to identify themselves by name. Each speaker may have up to three minutes unless the volume of speakers warrants reducing the time allowance. Please note that the Brown Act does not allow discussion or actions on topics that are not on the agenda. Members of the public who would like to speak directly with a council member on an item not on the agenda may consider scheduling an appointment by contacting the City Council's Administrative Assistant at area code 714-536-5553 or emailing the entire City Council at city.council at surfcity-hb.org. All right, I'll call the first 10. Please come down and approach both podiums. Andrew Einhorn, Jonathan Bonwit. Jeannie Paris, Ann Palmer, Luann Shoup, Don Kennedy, Michael Craigs, Pat Goodman, Kathy Shea, and Libby. You may go ahead. Andy Einhorn, Huntington Beach. Council Member Mosier recently proposed that Huntington Beach become an autism certified city. It was a request for staff to conduct a feasibility study on the costs and other related requirements. Let's review Council Member Burns' comments regarding this matter. It's fiscally irresponsible, he stated. Second quote, don't think she's taken into account that we're responsible for prudently spending taxpayer dollars, unquote. After hearing those quotes, I will not be abstaining on my comments tonight. Next slide, please. Attorney Gates uh, on the city's website, and I'm going to highlight the areas in the red. He stated, and I quote, the adoption of this measure 
may result in additional currently undetermined costs to the city because the city does not perform the des described election activities. Next slide, please. Another Gates quote, this will increase election costs in an amount that cannot be precisely determined at this time. So, who is prudently spending taxpayer dollars? Mosier asked for a study versus the majority spending taxpayers' money without a cost analysis. In addition, the city has not identified any factual basis for Charter Amendment 1. Falsified, unsubstantiated, and purely hypothetical concerns about voter fraud is insufficient to justify Amendment 1. I am surprised that Attorney Gates and his new expanded and costly legal staff did not figure this out. Unfortunately, it appears unlikely that the impaired majority, reminiscent of a wrestler repeatedly hitting their head on the mat, will fa fail to cease their amendment spending spree. I call for you to stop this destructive buffoonery, put the brakes on this catastrophic financial train. Shift your attention towards securing economic stability instead of perpetuating the state of extremism. Your illogical amendments pose a risk to taxpayers of Huntington Beach. This rise in unnecessary spending is a five-alarm fire and must be extinguished. It's crucial to remember that the disconnected majority is leading our city to a financial abyss, an action that will not be forgotten. Vote no on all the amendments. You may go ahead. Uh, thank you, uh, Mayor Vandermark and the esteemed city council members, city attorney and uh, neighbors. My name is Jonathan Bonwood. I've been in uh, the Brightwater development since 2009. I'm here to speak out in strong objection to the uh, proposed senior living community on Warner and Bolsa Chica. Um, the out-of-town developer doesn't even live in Huntington Beach, for gosh sakes, and he's pulling the oldest trick in the book in negotiating. Start off asking for something really high, get everyone worked up, and then come in to be a savior and drop it down one floor and act like he's being a good guy for us. He's not. This project is way oversized in its new revised uh, 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 zoning. Uh, it is 52 feet high from the curb, plus another 10 feet high for the uh, rooftop uh, equipment. You've got 62 feet from the curb, uh, 12 foot uh, average floor sizes. That's an equivalent of a, of a five story building with about a 10 to 20 foot setback and inadequate parking. Um, the size is just too, too large and dense and, and, and in scope for the neighborhood there. There's, the surrounding properties are two story homes or two-story apartment buildings. Um, there's just no compelling argument to support waiving our city codes. The city codes were developed uh, very carefully, we, and it's a slippery slope. They were uh, capped about three stories high. Then a couple of years ago, we said, okay, let's go four stories. Okay, let's go four stories. Now this developer wants to bump it up a little bit, and now he wants the equivalent of five stories. Why? It's not necessary. No one is against senior centers. We're against the size of this senior center. It's got to follow code. Cap it at four stories, adequate parking, 
proper setbacks. The setback should be 10 feet minimum, 20, 20 feet in from the residential area. As you go up into the upper floors, the setback should be 45 feet and 55 feet in a tiered uh, move up. That is our current code. It's fine. You guys developed it. Stick to it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, good evening. My name is Kathy Shea. I'm an historian. For 15 years, it has been my absolute privilege to serve our city as a member of the Historic Resources Board. I have to say I was absolutely thunderstruck when I received a copy of the current agenda and found on there a list of 12 or more um, cultural history heritage events that are being proposed. And God knows, you know, I'm, I'm all about celebrating history, right? But this, this is just peculiar for want of a better word, both the, the, the plan, the approach of the plan, and the items that are listed here. Then I continued to be stunned when I continued to read through the agenda and found out that the Historic Resources Board might be asked, but really a whole additional board is going to be created to administer this, these heritage projects. Wow. I think it's um, <clears throat> pretty thinly veiled, stinging, a vote of no confidence, both in my role as a historian and leadership of the Historic Resources Board. The members of that board include a history professor, two history authors, two of the great grandsons of our first mayor. These people have incredible knowledge, incredible training, incredible skill sets that they contribute all the time with enthusiasm and commitment to preserving and sharing the history of our city. This is unfair to them. I spoke about this to one of the sponsors of this uh, on, over the weekend and thank him for his time. Uh, and he compounded this by telling me, well, we really don't know what it is you do. Talk about being shocked. Uh, two, the other two sponsors of this bill are, in fact, our city council liaisons. Wow, you guys don't know what we do. So tonight I've decided that um, given this very strong no-confidence vote, I'm going to do, I think, as you are encouraging me to do. And after 15 years of service to the Historic Resources Board, I am resigning from it. And I am also, because I'm also on the Design Review Board as a function of that, that means I also have to resign from my seven years of service and three chair terms of that as well. Good night. Oh, that's... Oh, gosh. Uh, good evening. Um, to support the claim that Mrs. Vandermark is not fit to serve as the mayor of our city, you only need to look at her affiliation with extremist insurrectionist organizations like Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, three and a half percenters, or three percenters. And uh, she and her four colleagues have yet to issue any statement of disavowal of uh, participation with these militia groups that are made up of armed citizens that espouse anti-tax, anti-immigration views, and conspiracy theories. They believe violence is the way to bring about their form of justice, as evidenced by the January 6, 2021 insurrection on the U.S. Capitol. It is incompatible for an elected official in the United States of America to affiliate with these groups. You only have to look at the items passed by this council majority to know that they align with authoritarian, anti-democratic values. Actions do speak louder than no words spoken. Look at the items that this council approved that go against the grain of a functioning democra 
democracy. A couple of examples, the payout to the air show uh, private company, $7 million without releasing the terms of the agreement to us, the taxpayer, payers upon repeated requests. And then there's the challenge to our library systems, authority and responsibility to provide materials that address the needs of all parents and children. Even tonight, there are two agenda items that evidence this authoritarian bent. Number five, the dismantling and control of the remaining boards and commissions. And number 25, who, that Kathy just spoke about, adding an activity that supplants the existing historical resources board and the HB Historical Society from providing sessions of historical interest to residents. There is something for everyone in this bag of authoritarian, anti-democratic actions. But the topper is the idea that HB voters will allow the city to administer elections. Check out the ballot measures on March 5th. Please vote no on them loudly and clearly and definitively that we approve of the Orange County Registrar Voters to administer our elections and we are grateful for their service to our democracy. Thank you. Good evening, uh, Council, Mayor Vandermark. Congratulations, you deserve it, you've earned it. Thank you. Don Kennedy here, City Council candidate for 2024. My, my allegiance in life is stacked like this. God, family, country, city. Arriving in Huntington Beach in 1962, I'm here to talk about our city. It's the city I grew up in. It's the city I've raised my family in. It's a city that I want to preserve and protect. As the only planning commissioner to vote no on the monster project, I'm going to give you guys all the proverbial keys to the kingdom here on why to vote no on this project. So let me preface by saying the Community Development Department did a comprehensive a review of the city's general land use map in 2017. So the document they provided was not an antiquated document by any means. They reviewed every parcel, including these two, and they decided that that commercial is best suited as commercial general. It was not a mistake. They did not lack foresight. It was intentional. So with that in mind, here are the simple facts in no specific order. Here's what the developers want. Land use change from commercial general to mixed use. If achieved, this land use change opens the door to essentially no density limits, which is why they want it. Zoning change, zoning text amendment to codify the change. They want to provide less parking than the city calculations uh, would specify, as well as the CUP and other asks. It's just too much. <clears throat> Here's some of the observations that caused concerns for me. The use of an EIR that was almost 10 years old, in my opinion, they should update these EIRs. They wrote their own specific plan, which to me seems completely aberrant, kind of feels like the fox is watching the hen house. When I question the community development uh, department as to the frequency of developers writing their own specific plans, they gave me a very ambiguous answer, like, no, it happens fairly often. So with that said, I asked them to provide me the actual number of specific plans written by developers, including the, the, the one for uh, Bolsa Chica, and that was four in total. So four divided by the 19 specific plans is 21%, far from what I would call fairly often, but in my opinion, it's 21% too much. Uh, the final thoughts, this project is too big, it doesn't fit, the project has way too many asks. The project sets a terrible precedent. The project has no affordable housing credits at all. HB residents don't want it. 
If passed, it basically tells developers, don't worry about land use, maps, and zoning. It has no bearing. If you have the capital, proceed. My advice, if you want to build, conform. Let me close by using those unforgettable words by the infamous Johnny Cochran. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Now, for those who may be double-checking my use of the word acquit, it's definition number two. Conduct oneself or perform in a specific way. This project does not fit, so you must acquit. Thank you. Vote no. Go ahead. Good evening. My name is Luann Nichols Shoup. I am a fourth generation property owner and taxpayer of Huntington Beach. And I am here to speak against item 21. Um, I ask that the city council votes no on the Bolsa Chica item 21 project. It seems like every time I turn around, there's another pack and stack going in. And we all voted and wanted to stop this. So we need to stop. And I think if we don't stop, it's going to keep happening. So let's stop tonight. Vote no. Yes. Thank, you. Thank you. Hi, city council members. My name is Jeannie Paris, and I have lived in Huntington Beach for 28 years. I'm so pleased to be here this evening to greet our new mayor, Gracie Vandermark, and our new mayor pro tem, Pat Burns. I look forward to the continued path to restore our city to a representative government and away from state-mandated rule. There have been a few naysayers, even tonight, that like to throw out slanderous epithets such as like the fascist four. Um, I would call that projection, but whatever. I say you have, led, you have led the way as freedom leaders, and we support you. Many across the country also supports you. Uh, you have led us away from authoritarian mass mandates and vaccine mandates while allowing those that wish to partake to do so. That's not fascism, that's called freedom. You have allowed parents to have a say in what their children are exposed to in our libraries. And there has been no ban. There's never been a ban. That's not fascism. It's called freedom. You have led the way to stopping voter fraud. Again, it's called freedom. And you've done so much more. But the number one most important issue by far in this community is allowing our city attorney, Michael Gates, to take on the state and to stop and to fight high-density development. We do not want high-density development. We despise high-density development. I strongly oppose agenda item number 21, the Bolsa Chica Senior Project. I know there's a lot of developers here. I don't support it at all. I would like to see the whole project scrapped and to send the developers packing. This project has done, does, does not comply with our zoning requirements. It does not belong here. I will take it to some other city that loves HDD like Irvine. HD developers have, have done nothing but damage to Surf City. Every time I drive by that mess on Beach Boulevard in Indianapolis, I cringe. It looks like a state prison. Let's send a message to future developers. I do, however, strongly support agenda item 25. I love the idea of exploring rich the rich history of our country, our state, and our, especially our beloved city, a surf city. Um, the residents of this community have much to celebrate. I thank all of you. Thank you. Hi, I'm back. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, 
I am here, it's Ann Palmer, and I've been here 30 plus years. Um, I'm here to oppose item number 21. And if I can remind you, I've been here before. I'm not going to make this long, but we'll just do a quick review of the seven points that I made. Um, everyone on this council, except for Rhonda Bolton, um, had made an anti-HDD campaign promise, and so we expect your support. The project fails to meet the approved general plan. Stick to the general plan. This thing is behemoth. It's ugly, and it's not necessary. Uh, it's a disingenuous homeless uh, justification. I think that came out of the most recent version, but that was one of the things that got it in. It's too dense, and again, they brought the density down a little, but it's still way beyond the general plan, which is absolutely generous enough. Uh, the building height is at least two stories too high. I've heard people say four stories. I think three stories in that location is appropriate. And the setbacks are not generous enough. And the ingress and egress parking issues. So uh, next slide, number eight. I promised you um, a review of what uh, senior citizens really want. To be honest, people who know me know I'll go down a rabbit hole to research anything. This is a huge topic, but I can tell you right now that extensive studies have shown that senior adults prefer open space, natural environments, breathing room, and access to open and natural areas. I'll give you a couple hints that are a big surprise, and one is that seniors are less concerned about seeing family, especially the elderly, less concerned about seeing family and friends than living where they want to live. In the UK, the number one desire is a bungalow or a cottage. In the US, it is a townhome or a smaller home. It is not a tiny apartment. So. Uh, I will be sending you something every week or so from these studies, because I think this is a topic that has not been explored, and I don't think the consultants or the developers have brought that to you, even though some of their developments look better than what we got. Anyway, one more thing, if I have time. I want to support, oh, vote, absolutely vote no on this one, and on uh, the next slide. Uh, vote yes on item 25. And I'm just going to say real quickly here, you've heard complaints about uh, this Thank you. usurping. Thank you. Anyway, we want to do it in partnership. Go ahead. Good evening. Ballot measure A will be on your Huntington Beach ballots that will arrive at your home beginning the week of February 5th. I'm asking all Huntington Beach voters to vote no on this Measure A. Not only is it a waste of money to put the measure on the ballot to begin with, according to the city attorney's own impartial analysis, it will increase the city's election-related costs in an amount that cannot be precisely determined at this time. That's a sneaky way of saying it will be very expensive, but they haven't taken the time to figure out how expensive. The city would have to purchase its own voting machines, maintain and store them. 
They'd have to hire election personnel and train them. They'd have to pay for additional polling locations, as well as counting and certifying the city election results and many other expenses. So what services would be cut to pay for the city-run election, which is purely Tody Strickland's vanity project? Street cleaning and paving schedules would be reduced. Gotta love those potholes. Park maintenance schedules cut or eliminated. Beach restroom cleaning reduced. Library hours reduced or just closed. After all, we know about the council majority thinks of libraries, don't we? Ballot measure B is about flags. After weeks of public comments, the city already has a flag ordinance. At the time, commenters reminded the council of times when they may want to fly some other flags, but they would hear nothing of it. They moved ahead with a very restrictive law with the primary goal to eliminate the pride flag. With this ballot measure, the council majority wants to add this restriction to the city charter. It seems the council majority thinks that if you disallow the pride flag, LGBTQ people will just disappear. Most of us know it doesn't work like that, and we would not have chosen to waste taxpayer dollars on such a foolish measure. Vote no on all HB ballot measures. Finally, I want to mention, several times over the past year, Tony Strickland and other council members suggested that the economy was heading into a recession, referring to pundits on their conservative media outlets. I just want to make sure everyone saw the news last week. The stock market has reached record highs, Unemployment is at record lows. Gas prices have fallen almost 9% since last year. And the average 401k is up $13,000. The economy is doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, good evening, Go Council. Uh, my name is Michael Craigs. I'm a seven-year resident of Huntington Beach. Um, I'm here tonight to speak in opposition to all three charter amendments. Um, in particular, Charter Amendment Number 1 um, related to uh, requiring an ID to vote. Um, I wasn't able to attend the special uh, council meetings that you held, but I did have time to review hours of footage on uh, YouTube to see if some of my questions that I had and concerns would be answered. Um, although many people from the public and actually some council members did ask those questions, I felt that the council majority failed to answer them. Um, my main concern is what happens if the city of Huntington Beach is forced to ho uh, host their own elections and what is the cost to those taxpayers? The other thing that I felt was um, a bit astonishing actually was there was a letter uh, written by the uh, attorney general that the city attorney read um, that essentially said that the city of Huntington Beach would be on the hook for those elections. Um, I felt that your, the city council majority's response to that letter was apathetic towards the taxpayers. Um, and really the only answer that was said was that the city of Redondo Beach had a similar situation and that that should be okay. Um, in my career, I've had to approach um, upper management and a board multiple times asking for additional money that was not already approved on an annual budget. In those meetings, um, I have had to explain why I need the money, um, how I'm going to spend the money, uh, what's the, the term of the ROI. And at no time did I find that those questions were um, uh, offline or insulting. And I think the council majority has done a disservice to the taxpayers and the voters, especially to the people who voted for you, uh, by not answering those questions. 
The council majority has also said that um, passing charter amendment number one would increase the faith in our local electoral process. I, for one, already have faith in that electoral process. If that charter amendment is approved, my faith will severely be diminished. And that's no insult to the staff of Huntington Beach or who would ever be running an election. But I cannot imagine taking on a gigantic project like that and the amount of money that that would cost. Thank you. Thank you. Would you like to call the next 10? Yep. The next group of 10, please come down to both podiums. Guest P, Barbara Shapiro, Shami D, Ken Inouye, Michael Shoup, Connie Boardman, Cindy, Eric Massey, Mark Tonkovich, Deb Janis. Thank you. First speaker. Promises made, promises kept. This is a common political slogan. Acknowledging that each citizen cannot vote on policy, we select candidates that represent our views. Being elected in a democracy doesn't make you king or queen. I came across this wonderful photo of our council majority standing by a sign that clearly states, no changes to our city charter. So does the conservative mantra, promises made, promises kept, still apply? If so, I'm going to assume the council majority are still supporting no on charter amendments. As I see voter ID signs going up throughout our city, I want to warn my fellow citizens, this will cost Huntington Beach taxpayers millions of dollars. This isn't about voter ID at all. We already have strong voter ID laws. The term voter ID is a Trojan horse. What this amendment really seeks is to gain control over your vote by moving elections from the very secure Orange County Register of Voters to a Mickey Mouse system of voting controlled by the city of Huntington Beach. They could control and manipulate your vote just as they did as selecting Gracie as mayor. According to an established protocol and HB Resolution 6320, the position of mayor should have gone to Dan Kalmick as he is the council member with the longest consecutive service. So the council majority just decided who they wanted as mayor and changed the process to get their way. Do you still want to hand your vote over to them? At least Mr. Burns agrees with me on the principle of not changing something that's working well. Does this also apply to our voting system, Mr. Burns? Regarding a proposal he didn't like, I quote Mr. Burns, quote, this is well-intended but unnecessary in every way. It would be a waste of staff time and just repeating something that we already have. Yes, Mr. Burns, changing our system of voting is also unnecessary and a waste of staff time and just repeating something we already have. 
No new taxes. Keep your vote secure. Vote no on all charter amendments. Thank you. Next speaker. Is there a slide? no idea what will happen if ballot measure A were to pass on March 5th. First, this is California, not Alabama, and requiring voter ID at polling places is not allowed. It's a direct violation, oops, it's a direct violation of California election law. Second, the OC registrar will not engage in this illegal activity, asking voters at their voter center and this would have to be done countywide because of that HB will be forced to run its own separate municipal elections. Third, we can count on HB being sued by the state as well as organizations like the ACLU. We've already been notified by the Attorney General that they will take steps. Yet here we are, committed to putting these measures on the March ballot at a cost of nearly a half a million dollars. Slide two. How much does an election cost? A lot. These elections use a lot of very advanced technology and security and to prevent fraud. You can go online at the OC Registrar at any time and click to see where your ballot currently is. By the way, signature verification is done at the registrar using the same technology that banks use. Initially, HB would have to buy a lot of equipment, software, licenses, secure some computer systems, uh, learn to match and tabulate ballots, install it, test it, and create security protocols. Then, every time we have an election, we will have to spend a huge amount of money on printing and postage for 133,000 registered voters. Telling them when and where to vote, also mailing voter booklets and ballots with prepaid return envelopes. Postage alone is $2.50 per voter, plus 35 cents for printing. Those are national averages. It will take large numbers of staff and security to work the polls while they're open, but also to set them up, train, practice, and then tear them down. And then open, verify, and count the votes. In Redondo Beach, a city half the size of Huntington Beach, just counting their votes took 20 people 10 days. Research <coughs> estimates are that voting costs 20 to 25 dollars Thank you. Your time's up. What? Your time's up. Okay. Thank you. Got it. Next speaker. Good evening. My name is Connie Boardman. I'm a former Huntington Beach mayor, and I served on the Huntington Beach Council for eight years in the past. I'm here tonight to ask Huntington Beach voters to vote against all three of the ballot measures you'll see on your March primary ballot. They're a waste of taxpayer money. They're a power grab by the same council members that brought book banning to Huntington Beach. 
Can you imagine putting a ballot measure before the voters without being able to tell us how much it will cost in taxpayer money? That's irresponsible, yet that's exactly what the council majority did with the measure that will have the city take over their own municipal elections. Staff was unable to estimate the total cost of this, but it's in the millions. For more information about the three ballot measures, please visit protecthb.org. Agenda item 25 asks the council to establish certain themes for each month and to discard the currently recognized themes. So no more Black History Month, no more recognition of Women's History Month, Pride Month, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, or Hispanic Heritage Month. Recognizing contributions made by members of groups who are historically discriminated against and marginalized is a good thing. Why not continue to do so along with the side, the themes that the council seems interested in, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, city history, and my favorite, we love our libraries. Folks, this agenda item was written by the book manners who approved a committee of political appointees to screen all the books purchased for the children's library for material they deem inappropriate or objectionable and prevent those books from being placed on the shelves. That's a book ban. Regardless of how they want to spin it, that's a book ban. This council majority does not love our libraries and does not respect our librarians. They also don't respect the parents of this community to be able to make their own decisions about what books are appropriate for their own children to check out of the library. You want to send a message to the book banning city council majority? Vote no in March on all of the ballot measures. Please visit protecthb.org for more information. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Honorable Mayor and Honorable Members of the City Council. My name is Kenny Noboy. I'm a resident of Huntington Beach for 51 years. I'm here today to discuss the financial condition of the city as we enter the year 2024. In the City Council meeting held on November 7th, we learned that Huntington Beach has unfunded liabilities of $198.2 million. In our budget process, which included long-term projections. We, there was a projected general fund deficit for the four years ending, June 30, 2028, of $23.9 million. And we all know that the city is currently making an evaluation of the funds needed to repair our infrastructure. And although we don't know the exact cost at this moment in time, it is clear that the proceeds needed, the monies needed to fund these projects will probably come from bond issuances. And these bond issuances would require monthly payments that will put a further strain on the budgets of these cities. I requested in the past that the city adopt a, create a financial analyst team to help the city council make decisions that affect the finances of the city. As I've also said, the financial management of the city is not a democratic or Republican issue. It simply is not. We have to make decisions which meet the needs of the city and which also protect the financial integrity of the city because that is the responsibility of all of you as members of the city council. And I would like to make this comment. 
I missed the last Santa City Council meeting apart to discuss the fact that even though the council majority is willing to spend millions of dollars on city council or charter amendments, they would not spend one dime to make an evaluation of how this city can meet the needs of the people that have autism. I believe you misread the character of the people in this city because I believe every person in this audience that lives in Huntington Beach cares about our neighbors. We care about the well-being of the people that we live and work with. And I believe that I hope that you'll revisit this request. And I certainly hope that your, your decisions in 2024 will reflect the true character and, and giving nature of the people of Huntington Beach, not the political agenda that sometimes has overridden our your decisions. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, good evening. Uh, congratulations to our new mayor and mayor pro tem. And uh, my name is Mark Tonkovich, uh, resident of Huntington Beach. I'm representing myself and my wife. My son is also a homeowner resident. He's working. God knows what kind of shifts at Boeing. But uh, I want to talk about the Bosa Chica Senior Center. You know, I've been following this, and I got into a little bantering online with someone that they were saying it was the uh, place was uh, three stories high. The developer says it's three stories high. And I've driven past her thousands of times, and I know Little Caesars, that's not three stories high. So instead of for my annual or daily walk to the uh, wetlands, I went to Little Caesars. I walked around the lot, that's two stories high. I went to the back building, it's two stories high, but then it goes up to three, turns to L, three stories back to two. So scientifically, I paced it all off. And I came up with about 73% of that property is two stories by my pacing. The abreast is three stories, plus you got a big flood of parking lots. I walked down Bosa Chica. You got single family, single story homes across the street, three or four of them. You do have some three stories further down, then it goes to two stories. Cross the street on Bosa Chica, it's all two stories till you get to a building from Frontier that's one story. So right now, nothing's fitting in that neighborhood. I walk down Warner to Green Lane, which is the backside, and there's two-story apartment. It runs the whole length of the property. Once you get past the property, there's some three stories, I think about eight, they're in a row. And then you go to single family homes, and across the street from that is all two stories, single family homes and apartments. This does not fit that lot. It's just too large. It just over extends into everything. Uh, you know, the traffic that's going to be caused, there's a whole mess. But, you know, when I voted, I voted on one of the main uh, points for me was no high density. Okay? I was really happy when we fight the state on all this stuff. And here I'm sitting here looking at something that's a monster that's looking to be approved. I say don't approve it. I w if you do approve it, make it two stories. Uh, but uh, I appreciate it. One last thing I do back you on item 25. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening. My name is Michael Shoup. And uh, to begin with, I'd like to thank the City Council for all the changes and the steps forward we've made over this past year with our beloved city, <coughs> returning it to what we all love as Huntington Beach. Thank you. A bravo Zulu to each one of you, those involved especially. I um, would also like to thank my wife, 
who got me involved over this past year as well, and I just never would have seen myself doing some of the things I've done with, on a city level, you just don't think everything's worth your time, and you find out every little thing you do is worth your time. So I thank her, and I thank her friends who encourage each other and myself to all get involved and continue to stay and fight for the things that are right and what we believe. Um, as far as item 21, the uh, senior citizen over on a uh, complex on Volsa, yeah, I'd say vote no. I'm sorry. Uh, high density is just that, high density. Um, Heineken Beach was a small town. It's going to grow. There's nothing we can do to stop it, but we can slow that progress. Progress is progress, but we can slow it. And um, that's what I'm hoping is we just take our time, take a deep breath, enjoy what we have, and as long as we can. So anyway, thank you again for all your work. Bravo Zulu. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. <laughs> Next speaker. Good evening. <clears throat> My name is Deb Janis. 44-year resident of Huntington Beach. <clears throat> you know, I was going to start off with a poem I worked on that went, it was the night before Christmas and all through the dais. Not a creature was stirring, not even Natalie or Dan. But then I decided, no, I wanted to be a little more serious. So, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem Council, Mr. Gates, Chief Para, staff, I'd lo love to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a very happy and prosperous and safe New Year. And I'm hoping that in 2024, all of us that come to these meetings and speak, all of you working together, we can shake hands and stop the vitriol and truly work together for the betterment of our city. That's really um, all I have to say about that. And oh, one other thing. Please vote no on item 21. It's not a senior center. <clears throat> it's a high-end whatever it is. I mean, I can see the handwriting on the wall, but it's not a senior center. And it's way, way beyond anything that most of the people in this town want. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, Cindy. Good evening, my name is Cindy Huntington Beach resident. I wanted to speak tonight to item 23. And for those that are home watching this that may not have the agenda in front of them, it has to do with a proposal for a monthly program to honor heritage of the United States, state of California, and the city of Huntington Beach. The topics proposed include things like uh, the Civil War and how we won our freedom from the British, the Founders' Legacy of Huntington Beach, California history, the Bill of Rights, how we won independence, the discovery of oil. All those things may sound um, kind of interesting and kind of okay on the, on the front end, but uh, let's look a little bit closer. In fourth grade, I had California history, and I had California history many, many years in my education beyond fourth grade. In eighth grade, I had U.S. history for the first time, and I had U.S. history throughout uh, middle school, high school, college, uh, graduate school. The Huntington Beach Historic Society does an absolutely fantastic job developing programs that um, showcase the city of Huntington Beach. They provide videos, and many of those videos about the history of Huntington Beach are on the city of Huntington Beach website. And if you can't find them there, you can find them on YouTube. 
Many of the topics that are listed on this proposal are, are topics that the Huntington Beach Historic Society has already uh, done videos on and has already featured in the past. And then we have a woman come up here and in all sadness says, I don't even want to be part of this because you, aren't, you don't even know who we are. Um, I guess what I really want to talk about is what this proposal is really about. Because it is not about what the events will highlight or showcase. It is about what will be uh, taken away as a result of this. Um, I'm going to read directly from the proposal. This series would in be intended to be free of any identity politics and political agenda. Well, the first thing is that's a red flag that they even have to say that. And then it says, all monthly themes hosted by the city must be included in the approved 12-month proposal and therefore supersede all those that are already planned. That's the real agenda here. The real agenda here is to get rid of things like Black History Month, Gay Pride Month, Asian American Month, and all the other kinds of things that other speakers have already presented. I don't see anything on this history of uh, the United States that has to do with the women's suffrage mo movement and all the other issues having to do with minorities. The agenda talks about the founding fathers, and for the last 25 years in the United States, the term has been the founders of the United States. It talks about guns and violence, and I would really encourage the city to put this aside Quit doing things that aren't in the realm of your job and focus on doing Thank the you. things that need to Time's be done. Up. Thank you. Robin, do we have yeah. call up the next time? I'm going to last call for Eric Massey and guest P, and then I'll call the next 10. Tim Geddes, Josette, or Joette, I'm sorry, Amory Hansen, Neil, Charlie Jackson, Brian Thines, sorry Brian if I mispronounced that, Demel Lack, David Reinerson, Philip Rizzo, Scott Manastra. Next speaker, go ahead. Hi, good evening to all of you and uh, congratulations on your elections. Thank you. Three elections. And uh, thank you, Tony, for the birthday uh, card letter that you gave me. It was totally unexpected. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for having a talk with me in the past. Um, I'm here to ask you to please, uh, as you well know, I'm watched 24 hours a day of everything I get to do. Uh, inside my, the house that I stay in, my job site. And uh, I was horribly done wrong by a city in Clinton, Connecticut. You have nothing to do with that. Um, I was horribly done wrong by a police agency in that town that were doing things to the people in that town illegally. Uh, they got away with murder, actually, uh, suicide. Uh, they were using a government technology to come into our house and spy on our activities in our house and judge us and play God with our lives. I've, ever since then, I've lost my life. I can't even make a living uh, except for what I do now because they won't even let me operate a computer. They scramble it. They don't even want me to write about what, they, what they've done to me. Now, the government informants that occupy your police department since two, late 2015 have made attempts on my life on the East Coast and here on the West Coast. They have harassed me on my job sites. They put me down in my house when I use the restroom or when I take a shower. 
They terrorize my body every night so that I can't sleep because they want to weaken my heart muscles because they want me dead. They don't have to give me that award. That's fine. The state of California doesn't have to honor me. That's fine because out of the Irvine office, you have a lady that visited you tonight. Now, that lady's a cold-blooded person as far as I'm, she's in charge of me for the state of California, all that money that's in that checking account. You might as well tell the state of Connecticut that occupy that police department, too, the informants. They, most of them live in Sunset Beach and Huntington Beach Harbor. They will never, uh, ever be even charged with what their responsibility, what they did to my body, trying to end my life just because they don't want to tell the government what they cracked into. They should have never attached that equipment to my brain to begin with. There was no reason for it. So when they did, they found out that I'm not, uh, I'm not supposed to communicate with their system. So it kind of freaked them out a little bit. I'm not going to apologize about uh, how I was born. I have nothing against with you people up there. I have a disagreement with them, not you. I would ask you to please put, tell those people from Connecticut to go back where they came from. There's no need for them to be here getting, uh, to live here for free and getting paid their nice salaries. Along with that government house you got in Sunset Beach with the government uh, that's in charge of my life as a government informant. These people are not my friends. They tried to take my life. I've been a prisoner ever since 2012 with this technology attached to my body. I'm a very tired man. I am a commander for a very large security firm for a living at the present time. You have no idea how many jobs they've robbed me of. So please, I'm asking you, do not let them influence you what you can do with that $13 million that you awarded me for being done wrong. Thank you, sir. Uh, good evening, Mayor and City Council. Tim Geddes here. I hope the council will come up with a policy soon on public comments so that speakers won't come up to with a, uh, won't be left in the dark every time they show up, wondering if they get three minutes or something less. It, if it depends upon the volume of speakers, as stated in the agenda, then come up with a threshold. By, by no means should the mayor be able to arbitrarily reduce the time per speaker to under 90 seconds, a previous benchmark for a high volume of speakers. This, of course, happened last meeting, and I sent a curt letter to the council on that subject. With the, uh, with the reduction of speaking opportunities due to the loss of various boards, commissions, and, commi and uh, committees, the input here is almost the only public expression of views left to community members. There has been precious little time to reach a recalcitrant council majority who practically from the beginning has built a metaphorical wall that has it is constructed brick by brick on top um, to separate and divide us. Only the mayor can accomplish this by setting the time, the tone. Mayor Vandermark, if you seek peace, transparency, unity, and harmony, as, uh, as uh, Pastor Wing said, open up, please open the gate of communication. Ms. Vandermark, tear down this wall. <laughs> now, since I happen to have a couple minutes a couple seconds left, I'd, I'll, I'll chime in on um, the, uh, first of all, on the charter amendments. Uh, regarding the uh, charter amendments, it's as, it's as simple as ABC, vote no on all three. And also, the, uh, regarding the um, number 20, uh, uh, the Bolsa Chica uh, Senior Living uh, Community Project, 
you know, what is the, what is the, uh, what is the criterion for approval here? Intent is not the only criterion for approval. Need is not the only criterion for approval. Open, open site, even the site is not uh, the only criterion. Uh, and certainly not, the, uh, not, not that it pencils out for the uh, profit of the applicant. What, what should be the criterion for, is a well-managed, I mean, is a well-drawn uh, uh, well uh, project that conforms. So, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, all in all, just another one. Thank you. <laughs> Next speaker. Hi, I'm Charlie Jackson, 22-year resident of Huntington Beach. Uh, there is still time to stay with OCPA, the Orange County Power Authority. At the May 16th City Council meeting, Mr. Strickland gave some numbers for the RPS, Renewable Power Standard, that just don't add up. I can't find his numbers anywhere. There was no California RPS report with OCPA prior to November of this year because OCPA just started. The annual RPS report released in November of this year has OCPA at about 100% for, for 2022 and a projected 86% for 2023 renewable energy. OCPA is doing a great job and was awarded as one of the top U.S. green power providers by the National Renewable Energy Labor uh, Laboratory. Mr. Strickland also ignored the fact that OCPA delivered 100% renewable energy to more than 60,000 customers, while SCE was barely able to deliver 100% to deliver renewable energy to 60 customers in Huntington Beach. The reality is that SCE does not have a comparable plan to OCPA, and OCPA is much better. There is still time to stay with OCPA. It just takes time to listen and time to take a vote. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Yeah, good evening, uh, Mayor Vandermark and uh, council members, uh, staff, and uh, neighbors. Uh, my name is uh, Brian Thenis. Um, I am the appellant on this uh, this uh, item 21, this Bolsa Chica Senior Living Facilities. I do hope, well, actually, I hope I don't get to speak twice tonight. Um, I, I, I'm would like to speak again officially on the agenda. And, um, but one thing I would like to, whenever city council approves a project, um, you know, for instance, you have tonight, you're gonna adopt findings and facts uh, for approval. So you have to agree with the statements made in these findings of facts and then they're attached to conditions of approval and, and you're basically attesting that you, these meet the city guidelines, uh, the code requirements and so on and so forth. Um, so one of the things that says the, this senior, Bolsa Chica senior living facility will be consistent with the uh, neighborhood, the neighborhood in proportion, scale, character, and surrounding land use, right? So we were looking at the code. Code is CG general, CG commercial general. And what's allowed in CG? Um, and we look it up and we think, okay, convalescent. And we look up the definition of convalescent. And <clears throat> convalescent includes assisted living. And 
what, what does convalesce, and they need an alcohol license. Does anybody know what convalescent and an alcohol license have to do with each other? <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't apply. Um, they, they're, they're obviously filing a specific plan to create their own zoning laws and not follow the zoning laws of the city. And if they were to follow the zoning laws, the independent living would be more consistent with um, residential medium-high density, which is right next door. That's what would be consistent with the neighborhood. And if you look up the standards, there's 1,750 square foot per unit allowed. That would be 70 units max, 70 units, not 178, 35 foot tall, not 50 feet, and that would be consistent with the surrounding uses. That would be compatible with the, 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 the neighborhood and the zoning. So please vote no, and I hope you don't have to. I hope the developer continues this and scales it way down. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next speaker. My name is Neil. Uh, I want to spend my time tonight to voice my opposition to agenda item 25 regarding the monthly program and the baked-in repeal of all existing monthly programs. It is clear to me that this proposal is intended largely for the repeal and not for the items being proposed to replace them. This council majority would love nothing more than to eliminate Pride Month, Asian American Heritage Month, Black History Month, and indeed any celebration of identity that isn't white, straight, and cis. I know that what I say here tonight won't change the votes on this item, but I hope people at home and here tonight can see and will continue to see the damage that this council majority is doing to the community through increasing erasure and marginalization of minority communities. I have a little bit of time as well, actually quite a bit. I'm still on that, uh, you know, 90 seconds from last session. Um, so circling back to housing, uh, Reiner requires Huntington Beach to build 13,368 new housing units by 2029, so over the next six years, over 2,230 units per year. This project represents 77 eligible units, which would satisfy 3.4% of the required units for one year. The more projects like this that are blocked, the bigger they will need to be to meet those state demands. And the longer Huntington Beach violates state housing law without an approved housing element, the less local control we will have as pressure from the state legislature increases. Take a look at San Francisco in the last legislative session and take note. They've, they're on the process of losing uh, essentially their control over zoning and approval, and they'll be forced to fast track essentially any development that meets certain requirements, more or less the builder's remedy. Um, I know that you guys have attempted to block the builder's remedy, but if everything else goes, you know, in terms of the lawsuits with the city or with the state, then that's no protection. Um, and certainly, once they're done focusing their gaze on San Francisco, they'll start to turn their gaze down here as well. They know we exist. We've had plenty of correspondence with them. So, um, you know, Tony, I know we spoke about this uh, last month, and I think, you know, this is a good project. Um, it's really not high-density housing from what the perspective people are talking about it. Uh, we're not talking about a large apartment complex. We're not talking about, you know, super high-density uh, in that perspective. Personally, I would love that kind of density, but I know that I'm not, you know, that's not exactly a popular opinion here, but I think that this is a good project. I think this is a good direction, and I think regardless of whatever else happens with the state, um, you guys should vote yes on this specific project. Thank you. Thank you. 
Next speaker. Hi, Dave Reinerson. The last time I was here, uh, Tony decided to cut the speaker's time from three minutes down to one, so I'm back to get the rest, through the rest of my comments. As you may recall, I questioned why the council majority chose to pull Huntington Beach out of the Orange County Power Authority, despite 60,000 households and 9,000 businesses selecting it. And incidentally, that 60,000 households is over 75% of households in Huntington Beach. It's especially odd since OCPA was just named by the National Renewable Energy Laboratories as one of the best green providers in the entire country. And also, since anybody who didn't want OCPA already could opt out by just saying so. So why did the council majority take people's choice away? I also talked about how the electric utilities have a proposal currently in front of the California Public Utilities Commission to add a significant fixed fee to your electric bill between $30 and $70 a month. This is in addition to what you may pay for the energy you use, and you have to pay for it even if you consume zero electricity. If you want to know more about this issue, please contact me. So I did some research to find out if any utilities had contributed to Mayor Strickland's campaign, and I found out that, yes, Sempra Energy, the parent company of San Diego Gas and Electric, was one of California's three investor-owned electric utilities, did support Tony's campaign. But while I was looking, I found out something else. Did you know that out of the 367 donor entries on Tony's financial disclosure form, only 80, less than 25%, are from Huntington Beach? 266 are from elsewhere in California, and 21 aren't even from this state. And it might interest you to know that a large percentage of those donors are also affiliated with the manufactured housing industry. What possible interest could those donors have in who is running our city? I also found out that Tony has, had put about $30,000 from his consulting business into his campaign, about 10 times what most candidates do. So I pulled on that thread a little bit more and found out that Tony has a history with consulting businesses and political, political campaigns. In 2016, when he ran for state controller and his wife ran for his old assembly seat, he ended up being fined $80,000 for campaign finance irregularities, with both he and his wife paying campaign funds to each other's consulting businesses. It was reduced to $40,000 because Tony admitted his responsibility. So if the majority of Tony's funding campaign, uh, funding for Tony's campaign came either from himself or from people who don't live in Huntington Beach, it has to make you wonder who he's really representing, because it certainly doesn't seem like us. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Yes, I'm Joette, and I'd just like to clarify a few things that I heard earlier. Uh, anyone who thinks we're facing a rosy financial picture needs to know that California faces a $68 billion budget deficit. That's billion with a B. It was so bad that Gavin Newsom put a freeze on any unnecessary spending by the counties, and when he says that, you know we've got problems. Uh, the other thing I'd like to comment on is that uh, book banning is not book banning. It is looking at the books. There was a time, I know because I used to be a librarian, that we had no reason, no cause to review any books. They were all good. Uh, that was because we didn't think anyone was perverted enough to put sexual agenda into a kid's library. Unfortunately, that day has come and gone. We now face a time when we really have to scrutinize what our children are reading, and we have to make sure it doesn't end up in the libraries. That being said, uh, I have a solution as far as everyone's concerned with uh, extra spending on uh, on 
elections, I'd like to go back to paper ballots. Paper ballots are some of the best ways I know not only to save money, but also to get accurate results in one day, not one month or two months. And also, they save money. We need to go to that. One day voting, we need to have an election holiday. We need to have neighborhood voting again. Back into our neighborhoods, one day back in our neighborhoods, hand-counted ballots, same-day results. Imagine that. I've, I've lived in this world long enough to know and to remember when we had same-day results, not everybody goes home at 10 o'clock and is dismissed, and then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of ballots show up in the middle of the night. Um, voter ID, very important. We need to present ID. There's nothing prejudiced about it. We have to present ID for everything we do. Um, I went before the Secretary of State earlier this year, and she, just to let you know, requires us to show our ID in order to come to her meetings. That's the Secretary of State. You bet. Um, we need to make sure that these elections are safe. Thank, Thank you. you very Thank much. Thank you. Time's up. Next speaker. Okay, good evening. I'm here to encourage our Huntington Beach City Council to vote no on number 25. And for all the good HB residents to vote no on the frivolous and expensive, like millions and millions of dollars, expensive charter amendments on March 5th ballot. Here's our sign again. This is what you ran on. Vote no. Save our city charter. Casey, Tony, Pat, and Gracie, even they want you to vote no. I would invite you to go to www.protecthb.org and you can learn more about defeating these ballot measures. You can learn about having a community chat. You can find out about getting yard signs and you can be informed and vote no on our charter amendments. We are going to have some signups. We went and toured the OC Registrar of Voters last Friday. It was amazing. The things that you learned there, how safe, secure, and large that operation is. We're going to have more signups, so I invite all of our city council to come and tour the OC Registrar of Voters as well. Yeah. Now, number, <laughs> number 25 is a thinly veiled attempt to start a new committee. What are you talking about? You just got rid of viable committees. All the themes mentioned are to start teaching state, U.S., and HB history lessons, using the media resources. All this points to a div divisive and political and curmudgeon ex-resident who likes to pretend he is an expert on this. We just had a resignation of, of an expert. That's quite a loss. We don't want Chris Epstein in the city hall. We don't want to make any money off of the taxpayers' back. We don't want to see him at all. Um, and that's it. Oh, happy holidays to our city staff. Thank you for your patience and to our um, city council. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you, Madam Mayor. My name is Mr. Amory Hansen. 
I'm speaking tonight to express my appreciation for the full three minutes that City Council means. Last year, the City Council dealt with many issues of controversy, and at three means there were at least 100 orators, yet the full three minutes was allowed. Through this action, a renewed commitment to democracy and transparency has been shown, and a desire to listening to the residents of Huntington Beach. On a rare occasion where I have disagreed with the Council, and on the occasions where I where Council chose to postpone or refer an item I supported for various understandable reasons, I have always felt this last year that I was listened to, regardless of the ultimate decision. I have heard a similar feeling even from residents who have disagreed with the Council. I am hopeful that the mayoress will continue to allow the full three minutes for the coming term, and that other future mayors on or off the dais will continue to allow the full three minutes as well. Tonight, I am also renewing my own commitment to democracy and transparency. I am announcing that when I am mayor, the orators at city council meetings will always have the full three minutes. I am also announcing that when elected, I will propose an ordinance to require that all orators at city council meetings have the full three minutes to ensure that this courtesy remains a long-binding, standing, listening tradition. I want to listen to the people of Huntington Beach, and if that takes a long time, well, I can do this all days. Thank you, Amy. Next speaker. Good evening. My name is Daniel Locke. I've been a resident of Huntington Beach since 2015. And I wanted to draw the council's attention to a matter that, if left uncorrected, could potentially expose each of you individually to liability, but also, most definitely, expose the council, and again, you personally, to political liability. At the same time, potentially marring, and hopefully not, but potentially destroying a storied, stellar, impeccable, decades-long career of our own chief of police, Eric Parra. And the situation that needs correcting immediately is that I speak of is the moment when this city council made a sitting police chief at the same moment in time the city manager. Because not only did you give the police chief the police power, but you gave the city manager the power of the purse. So now he has the combined powers. And this situation should not exist in a modern democracy. It's what the founders stood for initially when they set up the presidential office, the judiciary, and the legislative branches, keeping them separate. Now, before I move further, I want to make it abundantly clear, first and foremost, to Chief Para, that I am not here to insinuate any malfeasance or impropriety on your actions, past, present, or future whatsoever. I'm here in support of you, sir. Likewise, I'm not here to mention or bring up any malfeasance or cast any disparaging light on the actions or character of the city council. I think you guys are doing a fantastic job standing up to Gavin Newsom and the garbage that they're trying to force down our throats from Sacramento. We've heard a lot of talk about high-density housing. You're doing a fantastic job. But do not be deceived. Your enemies are numerous. Your political enemies are powerful. And they're not going to sit around and let you uh, throw or fight everything they're trying to push down on us. They're going to look for the chink in the armor. And the chink in the armor for this council and this police chief is the fact that you put him in a very tenuous and indefensible position of having to defend 
his use of time, for in his employment contract as police chief, it says, your time shall be devoted, all of your time, to the duties of a police chief, but he can't do that anymore because he wears two hats. Sir, when you decided to risk your life to protect us, the citizens of Huntington Beach, I don't care how much you paid or got paid. I don't care how much you're getting paid now. It's not enough. Chief Para's sole purpose in life should be the loudest voice for the rank-and-file officers of Huntington Beach saying, we need more cops, we need more money. But he can't Thank do you. that because of the conflict of interest that exists. Uh, good evening, City Council members. Uh, I'm Philip Rizzo. This is my son, AJ. Thank you, AJ. Uh, we live on Roan Lane. We've lived there since 2004. And uh, along with a number of my neighbors that are here tonight, um, we hope you're all enjoying the holiday season. Ours is off to a rough start. We got a, a letter on December 1st that outlined that the uh, OC Sanitation was going to declare after 63 years that they're demanding we clear all improvements off 1,200 square feet of our property line, where they're going to erect a six-foot block wall, preventing free use and access to the last 20 feet of our yards. The wall is being offered as the only compensation for taking property that has been part of our parcel and included in the sale price calculation and the property tax calculation um, for the last uh, 60 years really since the city approved the building of the subdivision in 1960. So we need your help, especially uh, Mr. Burns as a voting board member uh, on the steering committee. Uh, we need you to support us. Uh, so allow me a brief intro. I'm a 20-year resident of Huntington. My dad served as a missileer in the Air Force. That meant we were wherever the nukes were. We were in North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska. We're stationed in Nebraska. I got a GT Pro Performer bike when I was 13. If you don't know, GT was from Gary Taylor and made here in Huntington Beach. Had a sticker, and I said, that's where I want to live. Didn't know where it was because there was no Google Earth, and I didn't have a map with that much detail. I knew it was in California. I'm smart enough to know that it was near the beach. So uh, my dad got stationed at March and went to college at Long Beach State. Freshman year, rode my uh, mountain bike down to Main Street. Got kicked off for curfew because I was only 17. But I decided I was going to live in Huntington Beach uh, when I grew up. So uh, I went off to serve in the Army, came back, married my high school sweetheart, and, uh, and since we have been married 30 years, uh, we bought our home in 2004, what we thought would be our forever home, uh, on Roan, in large part because of our neighbors, a lot of them here tonight, but also the large yard and the in-ground pool that existed. We have five kids. Uh, this is our youngest. Uh, we have four daughters, all attended and played soccer at Huntington Beach High School. Uh, they'll be at the alumni game on Friday, if anybody wants to be there. Uh, AJ19 is still at Edison. He's in the Special Abilities Cluster Program. And our oldest daughter just moved back to Huntington uh, with our grandson from Texas. There's a switch. Um, so happy to see her back. I say all this just to say we're committed residents of Huntington Beach. Uh, I, I literally uh, bleed the red, white, and blue of Huntington Beach. Uh, but after 20 years, last year we went through the somewhat painful process, uh, apologies, uh, to upgrade our home, and we went through the permit process to accommodate for AJ's wheelchair, remove our in-ground permitted pool to prevent an accident, uh, which has always made us nervous, and we had additional work to put in electrical and plumbing for an above-ground uh, therapy pool, uh, and a walkway along with artificial turf to give him safe access in the yard. After the work was completed, we looked for this final sign-off from the city, and that's when we got a letter from OC Sanitation saying, not only is it not allowed, you now have to remove it all at your expense in the next 30 days. Delivered December 1st. 
Um, so we need HB City support. Uh, we need your help. Uh, we need some, some level of oversight uh, to help find an alternative solution. There is cheaper alternative solution as the public utility OC sanitation needs to find a cheaper solution. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Scott Monastra, and I also live on Roan Lane. Um, my wife and I purchased the property on Roan Lane in 1993, so we've been there a while, and we decided to put a pool in in 99. So our kids have grown up, our kids love the pool, and now we have four grandkids. Those grandkids are five and under, and they're really starting to enjoy the pool. And then we also, like Philip just said, got this letter from O.C. Sand. And, this, and the letter says that they're telling us that we have unauthorized encroachments on the easement behind our house, the utility easement. Um, so anyway, what we did is in 99, we came to the city of Huntington Beach. We had a, a, a drawing drawn up for what we wanted done. It was approved. Then what happened is the, the permit was, uh, was given. The inspections were done. The final was stamped. So we thought everything was good. Now we get a letter saying, nope, you're on the easement. Your, your swimming pool's on the easement. So what they want to do, they want to come in and take one wall of our swimming pool out. Well, what good is that going to do for us? So what they're, what they're saying is they will, they will take one wall out because two and a half feet of our pool is on the easement. So what I'm coming to you for is, especially Mayor Pro Tem Burns, Mayor Vandermark, we're asking for help. Anyway, guidance, what can we do? Do we have any recourse for this? Because we know you're on the board for OC sanitation. So is what we, we just, we're asking for your help of how we can accomplish this. And I wanna, I wanna say something here. This is from the letter that they wrote. And this is like, it says, these unauthorized encroachments. Well, first of all, I just went through the whole process. They were authorized. They say, these unauthorized, unauthorized approach, uh, encroachments, the first one they list is the swimming pool, and it says, interfere with OC Sands full use. And it's like, okay, so they've stuck the knife in, and then here's where it really gets me. And it's like they're twisting the knife, and it says, for OC Sands full use and enjoyment of the sewer easement. So they want to enjoy our property, the property we've been paying taxes on all along. They want to come in and they, they classify, and they, they use this term numerous times. And it's like, you got to be kidding. You know, um, and it's just, it's been real difficult for, for us. As, and like Philip had just said, they presented this letter December 1st. They gave us 60 days to respond. So the first thing we wanted to do is come to you guys and see if there's anything that you can help us with, how we can, how we can go about approaching this. And the last thing I want to say with the nine minutes left is I thank you guys. I thank you guys. I thank the police department. I thank the fire. We've been here in Huntington Beach. My wife and I probably, well, she's been here longer. I've been here 35 years. So, and I love thank, it here. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right. The, the final group of speakers for public comments, Tony Shahidi, Clark Stevens, James Peters, Cheryl Browning, Tom Lawless, I think, Derek Erling, Urson Russell, Kenan Durham. Good evening, city council members, pro tem mayors, 
neighbors, friends. My name is Tony Shahidi. I have been a resident in Huntington Beach for a number of years. I've owned a property on Roan Lane since the year 2000. And I'm here with a number of our uh, neighbors. Essentially, we need your help. Mr. Burns, particularly your leadership, we seek. You see, our neighborhood butts up against a railroad, and it turns out that there is an easement on our property, which doesn't belong to the utility department. It actually belongs to the Orange County Sanitation Department. Now, we've known about this easement. It's been there since 1960, since the track was developed. Over the years, there's been maintained, no issues, no problems, nothing. Now, in December, early December, all of a sudden we get a letter that says that, oh yes, there have been, as my neighbor just said, encroachments onto our easement. There have never been any encroachments. No one has ever gone and extended their walls beyond where they should be. And they cite num numerous statements like, oh well, it's for safety reasons and your safety. What safety? What maintenance? They are essentially sending us an authoritative type of letter that says, we essentially are going to take your land because we need to be able to service our sewer line. Very, very strange. Now, the encroachments have never taken place. The city, I think, really, you all have a stake in this because, Mr. Gates, I fear that your office is going to get pulled into this. Over the course of the years, a couple of hundred, actually, I think 206, maybe 207 actual permits have been granted to, him, to the, the residents for doing whatever uh, works that, that uh, they wanted to do. So that's taken place, and I fear that that is a liability also on the city. It's a liability for us because this is big government really coming and saying, hey, we're going to not just enjoy our easement, but we are going to take this land from you because that's what they've said. They have said in their letter that essentially we... OC Sanitation are going to take this and you have to sign off on it. They've not, they have refused to meet with the neighborhood, only one-on-one -on -one if requested, and then it takes almost a, an act of uh, Department of Defense security to get in to meet with them, which is quite, they do this as a, as a tactic to scare people, but it's, it's been effective. So Mr. Burns, we understand that you, sir, are on the Orange County Sanitation Steering Committee. We ask you for your help. We know you have clout. We hope that we can meet with these folks and find out what maintenance is all of a sudden coming up. Their budget shows nothing, nothing. Nothing in the city or in the state or any kind of government ever takes place without a budget. They have no budget. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Sir, sir, if you can, sir, Mr. Sheedy, if you can get a blue sheet from the officer and maybe we can set up a meeting. Hello, my name is Clark Stevens. This is my wife, Kathy. We also live on Roan Lane, um, and, and our property backs up to the railroad. There's, we knew when we bought the property, it had a 30-foot easement across the back, and um, we bought it in 1986. That's 37 years ago. We've raised a family, found employment there, we volunteered for HB Racies as an amateur radio operator. We've obeyed the, city's, the laws of the city and paid our taxes. This is our home. 
We hope to be meeting with OC SAN in the near future for further cl clarification, but we understand from written materials received from them that the nature of our relationship with, with this 30-foot easement across the rear of our property is changing drastically. Building a wall across our property and cutting us off from the back 30 feet really means that we are not able to enjoy that part of our property at all. My wife and I have been paying property taxes on this 30 feet of property all along, and it just doesn't seem right. Needless to say, as a property owner and taxpayer for 37 years, we feel helpless and abused and in need of your help to navigate what is happening to us. We need your help in navigating this problem. Thank you. Thank you. If I, if I may chime in real quick, if the, all the people from Roan Lane, before you leave, if you can do a blue sheet and we'll try to set up something with you all and have a meeting so we can update you and talk about this issue. Okay. It'd be great. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem, I also have information, contact information on their speaker sheets. I've kind of set them aside for you. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is Derek Erling. I also live on Roan Lane. I'm here to talk about the Miller Holder uh, Lane Sewer Easement. I have lived with my wife for 30 years and raised my two boys there. Um, they did, they, we've spoke multiple times about us encroaching onto the, onto the easement. When I bought my house 30 years ago, the fence was failing at that time, the original fence that was installed with the new home. The, the OC Sands at that time had requested me to move the, the fence back one foot into, into our yard. I did move that fence back, and still to this day, the fence, the original fence, uh, the fence posts, are still there from the original home. So I'm not quite sure what that means that we've encroached onto their easement. All, right, all of us understand an easement that that you know it's for the best of of the city. We get that, but an easement is is if something fails and they need to get into the ground, and that it all makes sense to us. What it sounds to to us is that they're taking our land that we've, we've paid for for the last 30 plus years. Um, and so if, if they wanna buy our land, then that's, that's a different thing, but this is an easement. And it doesn't sound like, like they were saying, they plan to come in and bulldoze all the stuff, the fences down, put in a new fence, and, and we're supposed to be happy about it. Um, You know, and, and part of the whole thing is, as we mentioned about the, the, the train tracks that go down through there and the industrial that's behind our house, it's not exactly, uh, you know, a perfect backyard, but because they are big uh, backyards, I mean, that's some of the reasons we fell in love with these homes, and it's a great neighborhood. But thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. James Peters with uh, Californians for Liberty. I'm a slave because my vote's been stolen for the last 20 years. You walk into the OCRV and you really can sense that that's where it's happening. And correction for the audience, we're a constitutional republic, not a democracy. It even says it on the state constitution as well. And going to election integrity from a lot of studies show that actually that costs less money. So, you know, our veterans died so we could have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Yet their sacrifices have been trampled on by the leaders of Orange County, as our elections are like the movie Matrix. It's really a computer simulation. I'm here today to see if Huntington Beach can take back election integrity and be the role model for the county and honor veterans who died on the battlefield so we could be free. As Americans, we do have the right under the Second Amendment to take back our government, but we prefer to have the elections to do that. Hard facts, some of which I've handed you today from the California Public Records request, are our voting machines are not certified at the state nor at the federal levels. In fact, they failed the 2005 standards and were decertified back in 2018. Our voting machines are online, as you can see from the, the memo there from Bob Page. The vote poll books and the EMS, which help count the votes, are all online. The chain of custody do not equal what's received. As you can see from the 2022 primary, which I handed to you last time I was here, there's over half a million ballots that were not counted. Also, recent Rasmussen reports indicate that 20% of voters admit to committing mail and voter fraud. And 17% of voters that don't live in the county are voting from other parts of the country or other countries. In fact, we've seen in Orange County, it looks like there's almost 40% that are voting from overseas, don't even live here in our county. Scanned ballots do not equal the chain of custody. 2002 primary was the worst, with 460,000 not being scanned. Voter check-ins never equal the number of votes that are there. In the 2020 general election, there was 25,000 voters who checked in but didn't vote. Received ballots for vote by mail never equal the warehouse. In 2022, the general was the worst with 769,000 ballots in the warehouse, more than the chain of custody. So we would like to see no poll books, precinct voting only, no tabulators, no voting machines, no ballots, except, no ballots accepted after Election Day, and only absentee voters can vote in Huntington Beach. You know, the city needs to handle its own elections. The county is stealing our vote. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, I'm Cheryl Browning, and I'd like to address some discrepancies, misinformation, maybe downright lies that have come from the far left, usually at the behest of certain council members through their social media. Fact, in 2020, Ms. Mosier eked out a distant third place, well behind the 39,000 votes of Mr. Ortiz and only 900 votes ahead of Ms. Vandermark. When Mr. Ortiz's uh, seat was vacated, the Mosier Council decided not to award that seat to the fourth place winner of the people's vote just six months prior, with Ms. Mosier making the blatantly false and maybe silly comment that, quote, there is no such thing as fourth place. So she showed that she must have missed her second grade math class on positional words, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and into int uh, infinity or to the last person in any competition. Instead, the leftist council gave that seat to someone who had no position in the council race because she didn't run. So to use your recent quote in the pilot news, Ms. Mosier, your council decided to, quote, deviate from the established norms and procedures of city council. Mr. Uh, Kalmick and Ms. Mosier, you voted in someone who hailed from the East Coast, had only been in Huntington Beach a hot minute, did not do the hard work of campaigning, talking to voters, explaining her position on items important to voting citizens to win their approval. Nope, you de deviated from the norms. 
sidestepped the people of Huntington Beach and voted in an unknown person who would share your leftist ideology and would help you to produce a constant partisan four to two vote on just about everything. You didn't even do the fairer, more normal action of filling the vacancy only for the remaining one and a half years until the next election by the people in 2022. No, your council allowed Ms. Bolton to serve three and a half years unelected by the public. That behavior is only normal in a fascist society, like maybe the one Ms. Mosier learned uh, at the Marxist Institute called Emerge California. Did your campaign mention that, Ms. Mosier? Of course not. I don't believe you would have won if you would have said that. So lastly, Ms. Mosier, uh, being censored by your peers and being denied the mayor or pro tem spot is appropriate. You have lied about Gracie being an anti-Semite and she's actually married to a person with Jewish heritage. Let's remember this, Ms. Mosier, Mr. Kal Kalmick. It's a quote from various religious good books. You will reap what you have sown. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name's Urson Russell. How are you today? Awesome. Um, I'm a local resident. Uh, I'd like to talk to you all about the elections and about taking back your local elections. Over the past two and a half years, I've, I've pretty much given up most of my life to travel up and down the state and talk to citizens from Shasta to San Diego County and talk about our elections and their concerns. Um, I've analyzed thousands and thousands of voter records myself personally, and I've knocked on hundreds and hundreds of doors. Um, I was at the Orange County Board of Supervisors today, and the disregard that they have for a simple request from people that have gone there for over two years, almost every other Tuesday, to simply ask for our elections to be put on the consent calendar so that we can talk about it. The local elections are so important because it's the smallest amount of constituency than any representative of, of local government has. Our state senators, they have about a million people per each to, to actually have to take care of. Our state assembly, about a half million, and Congress, almost three quarters of a million maybe a little bit more in some areas. So you, as being the, the smallest group of constituents that people have to come to to answer and address their grievances makes our local elections some of the most important, actually, in our country, even some would argue more than the President of the United States. Um, this is, I brought in a, a group of paper here, and I, I take this around and show this to people, because this is representative of what elections used to be like. A simple tally sheet with paper ballots, paper poll books, they were counted at local people's houses or garages or fire departments, libraries. They'd be added up by nonpartisan teams at the end of the night and then reported accordingly. And the next day, people woke up and they had new representation. It wasn't a 24-hour news cycle and a spectacle made out of our constitutionally protected rights to have our voices counted. This can't be hacked. No one in this room or in this county knows what's inside of our machines, including Bob Page, because if he opens one of them, it decertifies those machines. And it costs us, the taxpayers, to go and fix that. You guys taking back your local elections doesn't cost more if you want to really get into the informational side of our elections, their systems, and how they run, what their vulnerabilities are. I want to meet with you, and our team will give you the most unbiased, professional analysis of where we actually are in our state of California and across the nation. 
I thank you so much for letting me share tonight, and I hope you guys make a good decision for your local constituents. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening. My name is Tom Lawless. I'm a representative of Heinz and for the project Bolsa Chica Senior Living. Uh, first off, I wanted to talk a little bit about the open houses that we hosted after we last uh, spoke to the council in November. Uh, we held two open houses. About 30 people uh, joined each open house. There was a mix of supporters and detractors of the project. Supporters included those who were interested in living at the project or had interest in their family members living at the project. The detractors of the project were concerned about the height and the traffic primarily generated by the project. Uh, after those open houses, we did sit down with our team and with the landowners, and we reworked the project to a four-story iteration that we felt would be more workable and responsive to the community concerns. Uh, as a reminder, the, the project, as currently contemplated, the, the first level is almost all of amenity space, so that effectively is three stories of units above uh, the first floor of amenities. Uh, this new project is reduced by 13 feet, approximately 20%. We've eliminated 24 of our independent living units, and we were able to get the FAR down to about 2.0. Uh, the existing zoning permits 50 feet, and we're just two feet above that level at 52. Uh, this allows us to have like nine and a half to 10 foot ceilings in the units for the seniors so they don't feel cramped. Uh, and you know, we did focus on eliminating those independent living units because the feedback we were receiving from the community was primarily focused on traffic. Uh, for the 80-year-old residents that would be in these units. Uh, our project is now 20% smaller. It generates less traffic. We've removed the independent living units, and it's within two feet of code while still providing some robust amenities. We're really still excited about this project, um, but it's still clear to us that we have more work to do with the community and on the project. So we will officially request a continuance on our item tonight. Uh, we do request, though, that the speakers that did sign up to speak on behalf of the item, either for or against, still have an opportunity to speak in an open session since they made the, the time to come out here. Uh, and you know, with all that, that said, we do quickly want to comment because there is a bit of some misconception on, on the land use, and we're hearing a lot of folks mention that uh, they're focused on following the existing zoning. And just you know, as a reminder, the existing zoning is commercial general. The zoning permits 50 feet and it would permit up to 180,000 square feet of office or uh, retail. Not to say someone would necessarily build that uh, in its full density, but it's a much more intense traffic project that the current zoning follows. So when folks like Commissioner Kennedy come up here and say, follow the existing zoning, the existing zoning is, is much worse from a traffic impact and uh, community impact than the senior living project we proposed. Uh, we'll continue to make that uh, discussion with the community over you know, the ne next couple weeks so that we can get that out there because uh, we, we still feel like that's not fully understood. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Hello, my name is Joy Bertoli and I just wanted to share some thoughts about the senior housing uh, proposition. I am definitely for it. Um, having recently had a mother who needed something like that and there wasn't anything close by, um, I live in the harbor and um, it would have been great to have a place for my mom to go that would be convenient where I could have seen her daily. Um, I know people are concerned about the height and I know the previous gentleman had addressed that. Um, I, four stories to me, yes, it's high, but if I drive down Edinger, you know, we've got all those big buildings. And so I don't feel that really three stories is too much. 
and what the benefit of having that there for people in the area would be amazing. So I would just encourage you to vote yes for it, and hopefully we'll have some seniors in the neighborhood soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, uh, Merry Christmas and a happy belated Hanukkah to Dan. Uh, I'm here to speak on agenda item number 25. Um, I'll be honest, when I, first, uh, when I first saw this on the agenda, I thought it was a super cool idea. Um, anybody who knows me would know that I am a huge history nerd. Um, I, I love me a Civil War reenactment. Um, but the more that I look into this, the more that I'm concerned about how it's uh, looking to be implemented. Um, so in this, um, I, I see that it was spelled out, this series would be intended to be free of identity politics and political agendas. Um, like, history is not a political agenda, it's just history. Uh, I don't know why you called that out, um, which based on previous actions and, and decisions obviously makes me concerned. Um, and then of course the fact that it would supersede all other monthly themes and celebrations, so, which to me means that we're not having any kind of Black History Month recognized, we're not having Asian American Pacific Islander History Month, we're not, we're not acknowledging any of these other things because that's identity politics. Um, and then of course seeing that um, Kathy Shea uh, said that she was going to be resigning today over the fact that they're not you're not involving the Historic Resources Board. Um, all of that to say, Gracie, that um, since you seem to have some uh, some room for 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 information about history, here's some more heroes that you can consider. Um, Albert Cashier, he was a trans man and a war hero that served on the Union side in the Civil War and was buried as a man by the insistence of his fellow soldiers. Salem Poor is an African-American who was considered a revolutionary war hero due to his strength and stability at the Battle of Bunker Hill. Thomas Begay was an indigenous war World War II war hero who joined the Marines at the age of 17 uh, and saw action at the Battle of Iwo Jima as a Navajo code talker. Uh, Bagat Singh Thind, who served in the U.S. Army in World War I, despite the insistence of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that stated that Hindus were ineligible for U.S. citizenship. Major General John Bernard was deaf, but, show, but shown during several American wars that he was in. And Carmen Contreras Bozak, a Latina woman who served in the cryptology department of the U.S. Army in World War II and was crucial to the Allies' success. Um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, most folks here are concerned by the fact that we are, we're somehow prioritizing history over identity politics. Um, but history is full of the different identities that make up America. And considering that you're not involving the actual historical experts that are here in Huntington Beach to put on this program, and you're looking to do that in lieu of everything else, is very concerning to me. So I hope that you celebrate history. I hope you celebrate you. all of it. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Council. My name is Perry Clithrow. I'm here tonight to speak in... Well, I was here to speak in support of item 21, the Bolsa Chica Senior Center development, though it sounds like now they're looking for a continuance. Um, as, my, as I understand it, I know that this, has been, this project has been looked at for a very long time, and the Planning Commission voted 6-1 to support it, which 
I think that's the commission is the perfect place to get into the details of this kind of thing. I wouldn't expect you guys in a big city to be able to get into the details of every project that should be going on. We live in a free market economy, one of the few places where that is absolutely strangled by government regulation is development. These processes have 100% been the cause of the housing crisis. And when you guys, this isn't some hedge fund billionaire that you guys are treating like this. This is a guy who builds houses for a living. These developers build houses for people. That's what they do. This is an essential part of our economy. And when our government takes this kind of authoritarian role, it, it has over the last 30, 40 years, that is the reason housing prices go up. And if you want to look at housing prices didn't go up before 1997. Adjusted for inflation, they stayed the same. But it's been these, the combination of us getting older, our population growing, and these local government regulations just suffocating builders. So we haven't been able to respond to the demographic changes. The free market is something that I love. I'm passionate about. It's part of the strength of the United States. We went from, we went from flying to the moon in less than 100 years. A big part of that was our capitalist free market economy. And we don't have that now, and it's caused this huge housing shortage, causes huge amounts of homelessness, causes all kinds of other economic problems. The one that worries me the most here is a massive worker shortage. If we cause our youth to flee by not having enough housing, we aren't gonna have enough workers to take care of the people around here as they get really, really old. So please, support item 21, and going forward, we gotta look into reforming these things and allowing the free market to do what it needs to do to meet this economic moment. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, good evening, my name is Brian Genovese, and I had put a card in to speak on agenda item number 21. Um, good evening, uh, esteemed uh, city council, Mayor Vandermark, uh, city staff. Um, Appreciate the time to speak to you guys tonight. I'm here to support um, the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Project. Um, I'm a realtor, and I'm also a resident of Huntington Beach. Uh, my family's uh, lived here for going on seven decades in Huntington Beach, so um, I know what it's like, you know, from, you know, I'm gonna be 50-something, so. I remember what it's like growing up here, and it wasn't always the same as it is today. Um, it's really great today. It hasn't always been that way, and it took change to get this way, the way we are right now. And being in, in the real estate business, um, we see the aging population here in the city. There's about third, third seniors here in Huntington Beach. And the area where the Huntington Harbor is, it's a majority seniors in that area. So there is a need for this type of project in the city. Um, I don't see it being, you know, um, a substantially um, high-density project like you'd see down in, like, by Bellaterra. But um, there is a need for this, and my grandfather, he's going to be 99 next year, and um, he's currently under 24-hour uh, um, you know, care at his house, but he's not going to be able to be there you know, forever, and it'd be nice to keep him in the community here. And um, you know, from, just from a personal standpoint, I'd like to see that. Um, I was also present at the Planning Commission meeting uh, where they went ahead and recommended this project uh, to, you, to you folks up there. So. Appreciate you think about that, and I know you guys have done all your homework. You know what the area is, so I don't need to tell you guys anything about that. You guys know what's going on. So uh, appreciate the time to speak to you guys tonight, and happy Tuesday. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, uh, Madam Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, City Council members, City Attorney, and my fellow uh, Huntington Beach residents. 
I'm Tom Dillman, a homeowner from Huntington Beach, and I'm here to ask you to disapprove of the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community as presented on tonight's agenda. And I also request that you do consider the appeals by Council Member Burns and Brian Thines in this matter. I'm not here to talk about the uh, many reasons against building this uh, project on that spot, but to give you some idea of how much our community is against this monstrosity. There's been 12 posts against it, none in favor by several people on the, using the Nextdoor app, which is something that provides like local news and postings, a lot of, mostly about dogs and stuff like that, but a lot of times local issues are, are raised, and this is one of them. So tw there's been 12 posts on this app about it. My four posts about it have racked up over 22,000 views. I've monitored comments from all 12 posts and not one of them is in favor of either the four or five story versions. The majority of the comments either are okay with a three story project or none at all. This should give you some idea of how much Huntington Beach residents dislike the high density development concept. And it's one of the issues that residents on both sides of the aisle and the various different tribes of Huntington Beach are pretty much an agreement upon as far as like being against high density development. If an intersection like Bolsa Chica and Warner, which Bolsa Chica narrows down from six lanes to two at the proposed entrance, then any major intersection in Huntington Beach is liable for this HDD. Just to give you an example of a, a senior living community that's working quite well is Morel Gardens over on Golden West, which is three stories tall and is doing fine financially. I believe that there's room to do a compromise with this developer from Newport Beach. It's been done before, like with the Brightwater and Rivergate residential developments. Let's do the same here. To sum up, I ask that the City Council respect the will of the voters and vote no on this monstrosity. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, my name is Lawrence Greaves. Um, I'm a resident here in Huntington Beach, have been for 20 years, moved here from London. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an investor, um, and just wanna congratulate the, uh, the new mayor on your appointment. Okay. Um, I'm a personal friend of the developer for um, the Senior Living Center and, um, and resident here locally, and I just wanna strongly support uh, the building of this project. Um, I do know the individual behind the project to be a very fair and decent person. I'm grateful that he's considering putting his money into our community, and I hope everyone listens to us clearly when we say this should move forward. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Good night. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello. Lucky you, lucky all of us. I'm the last speaker, and wish you a happy holiday and continue with the agenda when, after I finish. Uh, my name is Ellen Riley. I have a couple of advanced degrees in political science. And um, what we teach in political science is, and I have taught political science on the college level, there's three levels of government, federal, state, and local. And the duties of the local government, I do not see happening here at all in Huntington Beach. It's become... What? You might want to pull the me? microphone down a little bit. It's Can you hear me? That's better. Did you hear anything I said? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You heard a couple of things. Um, anyway, I don't see the usual uh, duties of city government being performed at all here in Huntington Beach. Uh, they are um, infrastructure, public safety, budgets, housing. 
those are the major issues. I'm now, um, uh, Mr. Strickland, uh, former Mayor Strickland, spoke about enhancing public safety by hiring officers, which I think is great. But what are officers doing? I go to all the, another duty of local government is to assist business. I am in many businesses. I'm in Walmart, I'm in Target, I'm in CVS, I'm in Walgreens. They all tell me that, that crime, that petty theft is huge. I want off, I would like to have the, our public safety officers dedicated to helping businesses root out, stop this crime, stop these people from running in and running out with liquor, uh, makeup, um, and Walmart has apparently shortened their hours because of this problem. Um, Target has threatened, has been on the verge of closing in other, in other areas in this country or in this state because of this ongoing major theft going on, not smash and grab. People just walk in, take a whole cart, they told me at Target, they take a, fill up a whole cart and walk out. So that's what I would like our police really to be deployed to, is gotta stop that, set up a role model for stopping that here. Thank you so much. Thank you. That concludes public comments. Okay, thank you. Uh, we're moving on to council committee appointments. Um, Council members, do you have any council committee appointments announcements? Okay, seeing none. Um, I'd like to introduce my 2024 council liaison list. Um, so this is a list that mayors update every year as of two liaisons we appoint to boards, committees, and commissions, and I've submitted mine. So I'd like to make a motion to uh, approve the list. Second. Then a first and second. Uh, can we call, call the vote, please? Oh, are we? Uh, sorry. So, um, yeah, so this list, again, uh, for the audience, uh, I serve on zero boards and commissions. The mayor has put herself on almost every single board and commission. Our, char our council manual says, and historically, we have spread these boards and commissions out so that all members of the council and residents can be represented on these boards and commissions, and certain folks' expertise can be um, used on these boards and commissions. Um, I think the council member Bolton and Mosier, I think, are on one or one and a half uh, commissions as well of the 40-something on boards and commissions that council members can serve on. This is a far deviation, again, from the norms here, and I will bring up the fact of OC SAN. I was on OC SAN as the alternate uh, two years ago. We were briefed on this issue that we talked about, uh, that the residents are coming up here. We knew about it, we told them to go away, and they went away, but apparently on, under this new tutelage, um, they're sending letters out and ready to start bulldozing people's homes. This is where having consistency and continuity on these boards and commissions is, is important, uh, and the fact that we lost all of that uh, last year, I think, uh, speaks to why we have folks coming out here today. Um, I make a substitute motion uh, to appoint myself as primary and Council Member Mosier as alternate to the Orange County Sanitation District. Um, in order to be able to remedy the, the, this issue um, uh, in a, a much more expeditious uh, fashion. I'll okay. second that motion. Would you like to say something? I would, thank you. Um, I, um, I too think it's important that we have continuity um, and also um, a variety of people serving on these boards and commissions um, this last year, unfortunately, there have been a number of those boards and commissions that were removed, um, unfortunately. But I, I did want to say I, I appreciate 
the fact that I will be able to serve on the Council on Aging and the Huntington Social Park Collaborative, as well as on the Downtown, Downtown Ad Hoc Committee. Um, I think that we're missing an opportunity here which is uh, an opportunity to have more representation beyond that on all of the boards and commissions and actually mixing us up as far as the majority and the minority. Um, you know, I think that the community wants us to be able to at least have the same information to um, be able to create um, or observe and understand the same information when we are at these same meetings. We could then create some type of a dialogue that at this moment does not exist. Um, so I, I just think that it's unfortunate that there is not more um, inter intermingling of the majority and minority within that, and also that, frankly, um, Councilmember Kalmick isn't even on any of these boards and commissions is really unfortunate, um, and I think it does a disservice to the residents of the city. Thank you. And I'd like to say something. So I do agree with continuity. And Pat Burns has been on OC stand, and he's done a great job, which is why he's still on it. So he will remain. Just, just to be clear, I wasn't talking about OC Sands specifically. I'm talking in general throughout many of the different boards and commissions. In addition to that, I was responding to Mr. Kalnick, saying he wanted to be on there. But anyway, done. Okay, I got. Would you like to say something? Very quickly, I did a. I, Here's the list right here. I've got Kalmick, you're on seven different committees, boards, commissions. Natalie's on 11, and Ms. Bolton is on seven. I'm sorry, those boards and commissions are independently appointed through other means, not from this city. Yeah, I represent, but you're still I represent, on seven. I represent, I would be on those if I was not on city council. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be on any of these if you weren't on city council. I would Correct. be, I serve on other of those boards and committees Irregardless of my service on city council. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so um, Mr. Comic has brought forward his, his substitute motion. Can we vote on that? Yeah. So we have a substitute motion, and I'd like to uh, remind everyone that we had a supplemental communication that made some revisions that was submitted by Shannon Levin. So, are you recommending then to move the list in addition no. to those, or just the sand district? My motion item? was just to take the sand district item. All right. So. We'll go ahead and vote on the substitute motion. Councilmember Mosier? Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? No. Vandermark? No. Strickland? No. McKeon? No. Kalmick? Aye. The motion fails 3-4 or 4-3. The original motion. So now I'm, can we vote so on my motion? We can go back to your motion. And again, I'm going to remind you that we have ch made changes to those lists and they were incorporated into the record and you approve of those changes? Yes. Okay. We'll go ahead and vote on that. Councilmember Mosier? No. Bolton? No. Burns? Yes. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Kalmick? No. The item passes 4-3. Okay, moving on to AB1234 reporting. Does anyone have anything to report? Openness and negotiations. Does anyone have anything to disclose? City, manager, city manager's report. Do you have anything to report? Nothing to report. Okay, so now we're moving on to consent calendar for items 6 through 20. Council, would, I would anyone? Like to, I'd like to move the consent calendar. I'd like to pull item 7. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, pull item 7. 7. I'll second. Um, 
Yeah, I'm assuming your amended motion without seven. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is anybody pulling anything else? Yeah, I want to pull twenty. I'd like to move that we do the consent calendar uh, excluding 7 and 20. Second. Okay, call the roll, please. <clears throat> All right. Councilmember Mosier. Aye. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Yes. All items except 7 and 20. Okay. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Yes. Kalmick. Aye. Okay. Items 6, 8 through 19, past 7 0. Okay, um, Councilmember Bolton. Thank you. So um, item number seven is uh, the report the, for the month of November. Uh, it's the update of activities for boards, commissions, and committees. And I wanted to pull that item just to point out um, what this uh, update says. If you start at page five of the document, it simply has a link to the website of the relevant agency. So for example, we have um, uh, OCCN, uh, the California uh, Coastal Commission Board, and um, OCTA, Orange County Transportation Authority. There's no description of what happened at those meetings. We have moved away from what we used to do, which was for the folks who represented the city on those boards, provide a report and offer whatever insight or context they um, feel like is necessary as part of the report. Now we don't have that. Now we simply have just a reference to minutes. That's what's missing and that's part of what concerns me about this, um, it's like high school. We have nearly half of the council not representing the residents on these regional boards like OCTA and OCSAN that can affect your daily lives just like the city can. And this is not amusing for those of you who think it's amusing for you know the three of us to not be on any of the regional boards where we're supposed to be representing you. It is not amusing. The people who live on um, uh, Roan Lane, they're not laughing. But that's what we're all here to do. And half of the council cannot cover all of that. So I'm just pulling it to make, to you know, direct your attention to this report, take a look at it and see what it says. It doesn't say anything. Um, and uh, now I will move um, that we uh, receive and file the report. Second. Mayor, Mayor, Mayor. Uh, I'll second that, but uh, I do want to make some comments that uh, some of those meetings that you're talking about are public meetings. And so if citizens wanted to go see the agenda of the OCTA, OCSAN, or any one of these meetings, they have the ability to go and do that. And so uh, I, um, uh, that's where uh, I think we're different. Uh, if people wanted to see what was going on in those meetings, um, this is a business meeting here in the, in the council. Uh, we're getting our agenda done quickly. Um, and those who are interested in, the, in those many, many different committees and boards, they're public. And so if the public wants to see what's going on in the OCTA, those are public meetings. And so with that, uh, I'll second the motion. I just wanted to make those comments. If I can respond for just a moment. Yes, no doubt. But what the residents are looking for from us and the value that we provide is context and insight. 
So yes, they can absolutely go um, online and look at those meetings. But if someone sees something and you know they're concerned about it, you know they shouldn't be hearing about it. Um, you know, folks having to come to a council meeting to talk to us about this issue with OCCN, that's not the way things should happen. I'm really, you know, well, that's not the way things should happen. But again, just the point, my only point is that context and insight, that's what I'm talking about, not just, you know, the minutes of what the, you know, organization has done in a particular meeting. If I might respond through the chair, um, it happened exactly the way it's supposed to. Citizens came up, they got uh, informed uh, through the OCSAN, they got letters, they came up here, talked about the concerns. Uh, count, our representative was pointed out because they knew he was our representative of OCSAN. Our representative, Pat Burns, said, please fill out the cards. He's going to sit down and talk with each one of those citizens, and then he's going to take their voices back with him to the OCSAN. So it happened exactly the way it's supposed to happen. That decision had already been made. Okay, so it's been moved and second. Can we go ahead yes. and call the vote? Yes. Councilmember Mosher. Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Kalmick? <clears throat> Aye. The item passes 7 0. Okay, next item pulled was 20 by Councilmember McKeon. Yeah, I just said. Questions, is it to you, Chow? I guess, or Travis? Yeah, and I will help too. No, I know we <clears throat> voted earlier this year not to um, subsidize the circuit program past the end of this year, and it looks like we're, we're not. So just but a couple questions. I think it was like, what, 300000 a year? Now it's gone up to, you know, a million five over two years, I'm assuming, because the area's expanded. Is that why they increased cost? Um, the area's expanded as well as the service level is increasing. Okay. And then on the funding sources with the OCTA and then the state funds, those aren't final yet. So what happens if those funds don't go through? Is, I've been told it might be like a loan from us, or how does that work? So um, OCTA funds, we've had, we have, have a notice to proceed. So that grant we can start on, yeah. so we will start that. And the other grants we're working on obtaining those funding, so we'll start spending with OCTA grant funds. And um, we also have uh, the parking and loo fees okay. um, that the city will be using, and we will minimize how much we're using of that to maximize those three grant funds. But I guess like what happens if, you know, worst case, the OCTA and the, the state funds end up not coming through? So right. within the contract, we work with our city attorney's office to, um, we can reduce the contract amount okay. based on the grant funds. Perfect. Thank you. And, and for clarification, I, I want we're getting we're already uh, been acknowledged that we're getting state funds coming in. It's just about timing. Yes. Correct. Yes. Same thing with the OCTA. Correct. Yes. And so now we're able to use some of those funds for matching funds to get more funds for this program to benefit our citizens. Correct. Some of those grants we'll be using as matching funds. Correct. Yes. Okay. Thank you. With that, I would like to move the item. Second. Councilmember Kalmick. Thank you. Um, I'm, thank you, staff, for working hard on this. Um, I know that there was a lot of uh, spinning plates to put together the funding stack, and uh, the fact that we'll be able to expand service, expand cars, take service finally up to City Hall, which is something we always uh, scratched our head about, but now we've got potentially a park and ride situation up here, um, which is wonderful. And I think this is, a, every time I see one that, uh, driving around, there's somebody in it 
um, dropping people off, taking pay people places, and being able to use the OCTA funding to ex uh, expand this has been fantastic. So thank you for all your work um, and the city attorney's office on putting together the, the contract for this that's got a gets, gets a little bit of wiggle room as the financing comes in. And, and I, I really uh, appreciate the kind of the thoughtfulness in which we figured out the funding mechanism. And I, and I thank um, State Senator Min for uh, being able to uh, come through the last minute with uh, $350,000 for this. And then earlier on for the 1.1 million um, that we approved on consent calendar for the homeless shelter. I think that having having earmarks is is a, um, really helpful, especially to help subsidize some of the programs that we really need in our city. So thank you. Um, thank you, member. Thank you, council member. I just wanted I'd be remiss to um, not recognize Chow Vu, our public works director, and her staff, who did the RFP and and really did the heavy lifting on this. So I just would like to point that out to the council. Travis, you know, have they been talking to the hotels about working with them to bring you know? Um, Yes, and even um, our um, interim city manager and myself has, have been reaching out to them and even other council members okay. about the service. Perfect. Okay, we'll go ahead and vote. And I'd just like to remind everyone um, this item was amended by supplemental communication. Councilmember Mosier? Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Kalmick? Aye. Item passes 7 0. Okay, the next item is a public hearing to consider the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community Project. Before we begin, does any council member have any ex parte communications to disclose on this item? Yes, I do too, I do. Yes, so I've met with the um, applicant and also met with the appellant, Mr. Thenas. Thank you. Likewise. Same. Uh, same. Same. I met with uh, Ms. Thenas. I met with the applicant and the appellant as well. I met with uh, Mr. Thenas. Okay. So now um, we're going to go ahead and consider the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Community Project, adoption resolution number 2023-51. Staff, could you please introduce your report? Good evening, Honorable Mayor and City Council members. My name is Hayden Beckman with the Community Development Department. Um, to, to begin this item uh, and in light of comments from the applicant that were provided during the public comment period, uh, there is a request um, at, uh, for your consideration for a continuance on this item. Um, there is a scheduled public hearing, uh, but in lieu of that request, uh, effectively it would be at the discretion of this council uh, whether to open that public hearing and allow for comments. We do have, I believe, several speakers signed up to speak. Um, and so with that, I, I, we're in a position as staff to, to turn it over to the council to provide some direction. I'd make so a motion to let the speakers. people signed up to speak. I'll second. We'll hear public comments. Can we go ahead and hear public comments or would we have to go through the whole? So are you going hearing? to entertain the item and open up the public hearing because this is a this is a very very formal serious process where the record has to be clean. Um, you're sitting in a quasi judicial capacity, uh, making a decision on a land use item, so um, we have to be very clean and clear about it. Normally, what happens is the item is introduced by staff. Um, you council has an opportunity to ask questions. The hearing is open for the public, and then once the hearing is closed, then the council can obviously make comments, deliberate, and then vote. 
but is the council going to proceed with the item or is it going to be continued pursuant to the request? So that's so we go ahead and continue. We don't have to go with the uh, public hearing. It's up to council. We'll make the motion to continue it per the applicant's request. Second. I have, um, I have some questions for, so is there is an option since we had folks that showed up um, to open the public hearing, continue to a date uncertain with the public hearing open? Yeah, so you could open up the process, um, hear the public speakers now and continue, but if you're gonna continue it, then you leave the hearing open right. to the next meeting, and then more speakers could come, and then once you close the hearing then, Council could then begin to deliberate. We could also get the, the present staff presentation after the after the public comments, right? There's no statutory reason for this the staff presentation to come before the public hearing. Um, I mean, for the record to be clean and clear, it's sure. better to have the presentation by staff before the public comments, right? Um, because it's it's the public's uh, being informed of what the information staff has to present and can comment on that as well. Right, so, but we could, they could come back and continue to public. Those folks that felt that they didn't learn something from that could come back. So we could open the public hearing, leave it open, and then have the staff presentation next time with the public hearing open, and so the folks that came down to talk about this could get heard? Well, I'm gonna look to Jennifer Villasenor. I, I, think, um, I think for the record, it's better to have the presentation by staff and then the public hearing open, but I will defer to Jennifer. I think I would recommend one of two ways, either continue the item and to a date uncertain, and then we would re-notice the public hearing, uh, provide a staff presentation on the modified project, whatever that is, and then hold a public hearing, um, and the council would take action at that time, whenever that is. Or um, we would not have a presentation on this project since it's clear that the applicant is going to modify the project. Um, I think the council could open the public hearing and close it um, and then continue to a date uncertain, but it would be on the record for this project before it's modified, which it's up to the council, but those are the two options. Right. Is, can I ask, may I ask inquire to, uh, the uh, appeals, they're pretty much null and void now that it, the project's changed in that um, kind of they don't, they, they're not applicable, are they? So they're null and void? No, they the would. Appeals at this they, point? They, the appeals would also be continued with the rest of the project. It depends on what is proposed in the project modification. It could be a substantial change where the project has to go back through the Planning Commission, or it could be minor modifications where the project is similar enough that it would come back to the City Council with the appeals intact. And, and council members, that's, that's why I think it's really important to follow proper procedure because if the project proponent goes and modifies the project and it comes back, let's say two weeks from now or eight weeks from now or two months from now and it's a completely different project, then the record, whether it's public comments or staff report on this version of this project is more or less obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I just wanna make sure that because of this type of procedure, the nature of this proceeding, that we're very, very careful and clear, and that due process is afforded to the uh, project proponents, but also out of respect for the appellant. Um, and so I would recommend, as Jennifer Villasenor mentioned, either just a full continuance, um, or just conduct the hearing on the current project, but then as the project proponent mentioned, they're considering revisions, and so it'll be different at a later point in time. I think my motion oh. is, is clean and clear. 
<laughs> got to continue until I, date uncertain. I believe it. I believe it's been moved by Mr. McKeon, seconded by myself, to just move forward on the continuance at this time. Without opening the hearing. Correct. Yes. All right. We'll go ahead and take a vote on the continuance to a date uncertain. Councilmember Mosher. Aye. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Yes. Kalmick. Aye. The item will be continued to a date uncertain. Thank you. So we will now open to, to move to administrative items. Um, staff, please introduce your report on the item number 22. All right, thank you, Mayor and City Council. Um, the item before, the, ne the next two items before you tonight are um, uh, introductions of a memorandum of understandings with Huntington Beach Fire Association and the um, Fire Management Association. Um, the first one I will go through is with um, HBFA, Huntington Beach Fire Association. We can wait until okay. it's a little quieter. Okay. All right. Um, so, um, so I'll pro provide an overview. Um, this item is agendized for your consideration um, pursuant to the Myers-Millis-Brown Act or the MMBA which requires the city to meet and confer with um, our labor groups. The city, along with Melanie Cheney, the city council appointed um, chief negotiators, started discussions on the proposed agreement um, earlier this year in anticipation of their contracts expiring at the end of this fiscal year. Um, the city met with HBFA and discussed their proposal and, and the city proposals and reached a tentative agreement um, with HBFA on, on November 28th of this year. While the city has no obligation to accept these proposal, the proposed labor agreement, the city does need to formally consider um, the negotiated labor pact. Um, pursuant to MMBA, when a tentative agreement is reached, it should be forwarded to um, the governing board for consideration, and that's why it's brought before you tonight. The proposed um, MOU is a three-year agreement starting January 1st of 2024 and goes through um, the end of December um, in 2026. The base salary increases. Um, there's three of them at the beginning of each of the years, 6% um, the first year, 6% effective um, January 1st, 2025, and the last is 4% effective um, January 1st, 2026. Um, the MOU also um, includes increases and adjustments to longevity pay, um, elimination of the performance bonus in the previous contract, and increased comp contributions to uh, medical benefits. The fiscal impacts of the proposed agreement um, is, as, is as follows here, um, with for a total over the um, three years of 5508234 Included in your packet is a uh, more, more detailed um, fiscal impact as well as um, the details of the 
proposed MOUs. Um, additionally, there's a redline version of the MOU um, in the packet. Um, so the City Council's options tonight um, is to approve the um, introduction proposed um, by the successor MOU. Um, and the introduction of the agreement, you could direct staff to, um, and, and you could um, direct staff all, anything alternate that you'd like to do. Um, if it's approved tonight, then it'll be brought back to you at the next council meeting um, for adoption. I move to approve uh, the proposed MOU between the Huntington Beach Firefighters Association and the City of Huntington Beach for the period of January 1st, 2024 to December 31st, 2026. I'll second. second. All right, let's take a vote. Councilmember Mosier. Aye. Bolton. Aye. Burns? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Kalmick? Aye. Item passes 7-0. Okay, Dom. Um, now we're moving on to item number 23, the introduction of the proposed MOU between the Huntington Beach Fire Management and the City of Huntington Beach for January 1st, 2024 to December 31st, 2026. Uh, thank you, Mayor. This item is going to be very similar to the last item, um, but is for the Fire Management Association. And again, um, pursuant to the MMBA, this requires the city to meet and confer in good faith with our labor groups. Um, staff, along with our appointed chief negotiator, Melanie Cheney, started in September of this year um, in anticipation of the sunset of the contract at the, at the end of this year. Um, the city and FMA has reached a tentative agreement on November 28th, and therefore this has been brought, has been brought forward to the city council for consideration. Um, as noted, the city has no obligation to accept the proposed labor agreement, but, but does need to formally consider, uh, consider the agreement. I move uh, to approve the proposed MOU understanding uh, between the Huntington Beach Fire Management Association and the City of Huntington Beach for the period of January 1st, 2024 to December 31st, 2026. Second. All right. Take the vote. Let's take a vote. Councilmember Mosher? Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Kalmick? Aye. Passes 7-0. Thank you. Now moving on to ordinances for introduction, item 24. Um, this is to approve the introduction of ordinance number 4303 and authorize requested changes to the Huntington Beach Municipal, Municipal Code Chapter 10 .44.062 relating to parking and time limits. Steph, please introduce your report. Captain Th Garcia will get that. This yep. is this is a authorization to request a change that will allow the chief of police um, approval for any applicant who could demonstrate by way of a written statement from a licensed doctor that their condition is permanent stationary, a permanent permit exception to park on city streets and also allowed the chief of police the authority to revoke such permit. Okay. I'll move the item. I'll second it. Please call the roll. All right. Councilmember Mosher? Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Kalmick? Aye. I'd like to read for the record the title of Ordinance number 4303, an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Huntington Beach amending chapter 10.44 of the Huntington Beach Municipal Code relating to parking, time
time limits. Thank you. Now moving on to council member items, item number 25. Um, council member, Pat, oh, council member McKeon. Yeah. All right, so uh, one of my favorite things about uh, being elected to city council so far has been learning about the amazing history of our city that I was unaware of. And there's actually a photo in our closed session chambers of the very first Huntington Beach City Council in 1909. And that black and white photo depicts the, the five council members uh, with none of them looking at the camera, which I always get a crack out of. And over this past year, um, our archivist and historian, Kathy Shea, who was here earlier, has sent me around 20 historical and chronological photos of the rich history of Huntington Beach that I have hanging in my uh, city council office. And you know, myself as a, a third generation Huntington Beach resident, I've just been amazed to learn just how much of our rich history I was unaware of, and I can only imagine that the majority of our residents are unaware of as well. And that was essentially the genesis for this calendar of historically themed months, H item that the mayor, uh, Mayor Pro Tem, and myself began working on to develop a 12-month program designed to honor the rich historic heritage of not only Huntington Beach, but the United States and California as well. And those are the, that's the rich historic heritage that we all share. And currently, the, the city departments, they sometimes in, uh, initiate and implement monthly celebrations. And the city will at times send out you know, social media posts with resources and links and videos. They'll set up displays with guest speakers at libraries and other city facilities and or community events. But the issue is that these monthly celebrations are they're, they're fragmented, they're inconsistent, and relatively unorganized between the departments. And so to solve that, we wanted to focus on 12 themes a year instead of dozens to help the city and staff get on the same page in regards to what we're celebrating, which will in turn limit our staff time and resources. You know, this will organize, streamline, and distill the city's efforts on what we are spotlighting every year and map out an entire calendar of events. To celebrate something for an entire month does take time, so we want to take a good amount of care and plan them appropriately so that they are organized and streamlined and not haphazard and, un and unorganized. I know some residents express a concern that a program like this will take extra time and resources, but in fact, this approach will limit our staff time and resources and make things more efficient and organized for everyone involved. So a committee of seven to nine residents would be appointed by two council liaisons and will be formed to continue developing 12-month programs starting with the calendar year 2025. And they will meet pro probably only two to three times a year. And this will be a pilot program where we will, of course, take feedback and input that the committee can review and implement moving forward in order to make improvements. This will be a collaborative effort um, with assistance from the Historic Resources Board, staff, and of course our residents. And you know, I actually, when Kathy came up here, um, I was disheartened because she referenced speaking with one of us, and it was me. I spoke with her over the weekend and thought we had a really good conversation. Um, I confirmed with her that we will, of course, work with the you know, Historic Resources Board. Um, the comments she made about not knowing that they do, you know, what the Historic Resources Board does, I just meant that, you know, I feel like the community is not fully aware of, of what they do and everything they're involved in. So, you know, we have an incredible platform and ability to spotlight our amazing history, and we can elevate the Historic Resources Board and involve them in this effort. And so my takeaway from our conversation was great, and so I'm just really surprised um, that she came up here and said that. Um, and as I mentioned, this will also let the residents know what's upcoming so we can plan and pre prepare, and the city should continue to engage and schedule monthly celebrations that promote public safety and health, and examples of those include, you know, pedestrian safety, 
distracted driver awareness, breast cancer awareness, and autism awareness. We felt it was important to establish this 2024 calendar in this H item, as this is the last meeting of 2023. And an example of some of the themes, um, as someone mentioned, was you know January would be uh, Founders Legacy, celebrating Huntington Beach's origins. This month will focus on the city's founding, the establishment of Huntington Beach, and the early pioneers who shaped its history, including Talbert, Helm, Slater, et cetera. Uh, March would be uh, California's history, before statehood to now, and what it means to be a charter city in California. Uh, June, his history of Independence Day, what it means today. How America won its independence and became one of the greatest nations in the history of the world. This month would focus on the drafting of the Declaration of Independence, the Founding Fathers, and all the events that led up to its signing as a lead-up to Independence Day, culminating with the Huntington Beach Independence Day Parade. And this will tie into the Independence Day Parade and the Red Car Rail history. And a resident sent me a comment from an individual in town who uh, professes to be an expert on all things Huntington Beach. And this individual did not understand why the Red Car Rail history is tied to the Independence Day Parade. And to me, this is a perfect example of why this calendar of historically themed months will be so beneficial, because Henry Huntington bought Pacific City in 1903, and then brought the rails in along with the first red train car on July 4th, 1904. And that was the first year of our Independence Day Parade, which was held to celebrate the red car arrival. And we've had the parade ever since. The city will also continue planning for the 2024 Jubilee celebrations, which was developed after staff realized that 2024 marks the 50th anniversary of the Civic Center and Central Park. As a result, staff began planning a year of events to commemorate many significant milestones through a year-long Jubilee celebration. To honor their array of occasions, the events will feature a, lo a, a location, facility, or program that has reached a significant anniversary in our city's history. And then also in this item, we put together some additional themes in the agenda the item that the committee can discuss for 2025, like Wintersburg, you know, remembering the vibrant Japanese-American community. And then for me, I just would like to make an edit and switch the February and August month themes. Uh, February is Library Month nationally, and Civil War Days is held here in Huntington Beach on August 31st through September 1st. And right now on this agenda item, we have August as Library Month, when in reality it's celebrated in February, so I'd like to switch the February and August themes. And with that, I would like to make a motion to adopt... Actually, I have it here one second, sorry. So I would like to make a motion to adopt the recommended action uh, with the August and February theme swaps and adding that this will not affect pre-existing individual day and week programs and also direct staff to come back in 60 days with an approval process for future individual day and week celebrations. I'll second as amended. I'd actually like to make a substitute motion. I really like this program um, and thank you for taking the time to talk to all of us about it. Um, but I would like to include the Holocaust as part of um, this program, okay. which is in January. So um, I'll second the substitute motion. Along with my edits, though, yeah? Along, okay. along with Councilmember McCann's edits. I was just going to say, would you agree to a friendly amendment? That's fine. So that it would just be one motion? That's fine. Yep. Okay. So with the um, switch between August and February, and then the Holocaust remembrance. Right. All right. So and then also, you had, but you had the, the last part of it too, right? Um, that's, this will not affect pre-existing individual day and week programs and direct yeah. staff? Okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. So okay. Uh, the motion on the floor by McKeon and Burns. Let's go ahead and take a vote. No, I have lots of questions. And yeah, oh, okay. Sorry. So uh, we're going to give staff six business days to come up with a Holocaust remembrance celebration, um, Founders Legacy 
because that starts, there's six business days left before January 2nd, I guess. Um, who's gonna create all this content for January? Like, that's the biggest question I saw, is like, who's your audience? What's the output from this? And who's gonna do all this work? Because I don't see us paying any consultants to generate content, and I wanna have, if we're gonna put out content, I want high-level, top-notch content. Sure. I would prefer not to have volunteers do that, because sometimes when you have volunteers, you get what you pay for, and then you end up spending more money herding cats um, for that. So staff's gonna likely have to pick up the slack. So who on staff is an expert in this? No, I mean, it's a, it's a fair point. I mean, I know, you know, January's coming up, but again, it's in the item, there's, we can make amendments and tweaks. It's a pilot program, but, you know, I would like to be a, a liaison personally to this, and you have my commitment. I mean, I know, um, you know, Jen Carey, the work she's been doing at the media department, I would imagine, again, diving in, helping out with the historic resources board, and at least I, there's a lot of material already out there for, you know, Founders Legacy. But do we own it? I mean, again, but like, do we own the copyright to that information? So, as a speaker said tonight, they already have put content out there before, and they were, you know, criticizing us for not, you know, working with the Historic Resources Board and utilizing this material. So, I will verify that we have access to this content. I would imagine we do, um, and if not, I'm sure we can, you know, work with Kathy Shea. She's still our archivist. I don't believe she resigned from that tonight. I mean, losing Kathy Shea tonight on the Historic Resources Board, I think we should probably do something um, sure. to commemorate her service to the city as well. But I guess getting back to the actual piece, you said this is more organized and streamlined. This is a lot of work. To create curriculum, um, I don't think any of us are educators. Um, I know educators, and I know that creating curriculum is really difficult, um, especially from this is not public policy. Uh, this is uh, Eagle Scout project. This is what we all learned in fourth grade and 10th grade and 11th grade. And I do apologize if you didn't know some of these things. A lot of folks in town do. Um, but we should be focused on this is stuff that is known and easily looked up. Like history and, and months that celebrate things are for things that were overlooked for what we learned in public school, usually because they were either too complicated for, to learn as a child or they were adult-themed, like the Tulsa Massacre, for instance. Um, so uh, there's some of these months that overlap, you know, February and June, um, rolling into July, and surfing days in September. Um, we weren't really known for aviation as much as we were known for aerospace. Um, That's in there? Yeah, but it's, it's aviation. Like, there's... It's like I, I get it's a, and, it's, but it's aerospace. Like, we sent rockets to the moon out of Huntington Beach. Well, I think the detail was um, as it leads up to the event, you know, like the U.S. Open and um, Independence right, Day Right, but surfing days in September. Um, sure, but I, in here it says that the U.S. Open is surfing, right? So it was, that was more the intent. Like, right. it doesn't have to be exactly precise. And to counter what you said before, is like if it's easily attainable information, then it should be easily attainable for us to accumulate it Someone and then celebrate a month, right? generate it. Like if we're going to do a social media post, find that this is well below what this board should be. This is the first council meeting of this new council makeup of the new reorganization. And this is what we came out of. We have deficits we're going to need to address. We have a homeless issue we're going to, that we still need to address. We have a lot of big issues, and this is the number one thing we came out with, which is coming up with a, the, the calendar that my, my four-year-old just did in her kindergarten class. Like, I'm, this is not something we should be doing. We should say, sure, let's set up a month program, direct staff to come back with a bunch of ideas for next year, but to, I, to dictate what those months are and completely ignore the obvious pieces here that we are no longer gonna celebrate Black History Month, Pride Month, all of the things that, this, all of these histories involve a certain theme. There's a running theme through all of this. 
Um, and when you do history, and I love history, and I've traveled the world to experience where history happened, to see it, I used to watch six hours of History Channel in high school growing up, you know, I took history in college, like, I, I love history. But some of this is not relevant to Huntington Beach, like, the Revolutionary War, we had, we, we weren't even, a, we weren't even part of the British uh, territory at the time, they didn't even know we existed. Um, this just seems like a slapdash way of like, let's come up with some themes that all seem to kind of revolve around stuff we all learned in high school. Like, I want to learn about, there, there's no interest of the First Nations folks that live here, lived here 9,000 years ago, the history of Bolsa Chica, which technically isn't in the city, but we all kind of assume it is, um, goes into the fact that there were people living here 4,000 years before they built the pyramids, and we're not talking about that. Um, a lot of this is, is duplicative, again, of what kids are learning in fourth grade, in seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, and then into high school with the AP tests. So I just want to know, and it's a rhetorical question, but we're no longer going to celebrate holidays and month celebrations that we've had in the past. I don't know why uh, there is a rush to, to implement some of this, especially in six business days. Um, and we're adding things from the dais, uh, moving things around um, quickly. Like this should, I mean, if we wanted to decide like, hey, we don't really like the discombobulated way that staff is presenting things at the level, I don't agree with the statement, but if that was what we were trying to solve, this should have been one page saying, staff come back with a calendar of things, have figure out a budget and professionals that will help create high level content for this. Because I still don't see, again, who the audience for this is. Is it tourists? Is it residents? Uh, why are we doing something that the school districts are already doing? Um, and who's going to create this content? Because that's the biggest answer. We're going to rely on the design, excuse me, the HRB, and then a board of people of seven to nine people. Is it seven? Is it nine? I don't know. Um, to determine what other things are going to change. And then this is going to change every year. So once we create the content for 2024, it sounds like we're going to throw all of that out for 2025 as well. Well, um, I mean, you can't have it both ways, right? You just criticize for certain events not being on here, but now you're, you're criticizing that we can't put those in on, in future years, and that's the point, right? Like we have the calendar of events for 2024. I totally think you're overcomplicating it. It's meant to be a, a fun exercise to, to embrace our history. and uh, our, it, it, our history or... Sure, Huntington All Beach. History. Sure. But again, this is we have the counter for 24. The committee would work on 25. We already have the content. You said it's easily available. We can we can no, you know organize it. And then to the statement that we can't this will totally suck all our resources away from everything that we do normally with our infrastructure and our public safety to me is absurd. I've heard that comment before. No, 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 this is the public. This is not public policy. This okay. is taking the focus away from public policy that we need to wor work on in this city. This is a theme calendar with with with, con with content hanging off of it. It's not just a hey, let's try to fix the way we d distribute information, history information. I, I don't know. This is just not the role of local government, uh, especially at this board, to do what the school districts are already doing, what our historic resources board showcases, what our our private nonprofits do, uh, which is showcase this. And I, you know, I've heard rumblings that we should you know have a Huntington Beach Museum, uh, history museum. I think that's a great idea, sure. but. Uh, there's no funding for that at this point, but to gloss over and eliminate, um, well, so we're not going to celebrate Black History Month in February anymore. Uh, we're not. There's none, no of this, none of this precludes that from happening the next year, right? Like I said, this the is... Next, no, no. So next year, so February of next year, we're not going to celebrate Black History Month if this passes. 
Uh, yeah, because we already have the, the 2024 calendar of events. Sure. But again, that, that doesn't Why preclude not? it. But, but again, that doesn't, that's, that's, it's a, that's a false argument. It doesn't preclude it from happening the next year. And again, but this I, is meant to be a fun exercise that brings the community together. And it's really not that complicated. You're totally overcomplicating it. I am overcomplicating it because public policy is complicated. And you can't simply overlook Black History Month, Women's History Month, all of these things that are celebrated at the federal level and not recognize and basically stop and ex the, explicit, the explicit comment in here ex stating that this will supersede all uh, monthly themes and celebrations. We already have all the content generated for that. Like, it's a thing that's already there. Why repeal and eliminate that and not add? If we're trying to educate folks on what happened, we're trying to honor our history, why eliminate that? I don't think it's supposed to be that complicated. It's it's going to be something the library can make, present a group of books or whatever other material they can come up out of their library, put it at the front end of it, and maybe promote stuff like the Constitution. Yeah, that affects us. Believe it or not, that affects us directly in every way of our lives in the United States of America. And I, I don't believe enough people have read that thing. And it only takes about 15, 20 minutes to read that thing most of the time. Sure, which, I mean, I would but argue that not you enough people do it. Sure, but not I, enough I, people know really the history of it. But you want to and teach the Bill of Rights. it doesn't take us that much time to put it on Channel 3. Does it? And just a Are quick you do it? introduction. I, I should, I will do. If somebody asked me, if the committee or somebody asked me to do a quick little three thing, what how I feel about the Constitution, what it means to me, Oh, you're darn right. I'll do it. I'll do it in a heartbeat, and I hope I would hope anybody in this room would. Sure, but you talk about it may being and the bill of to our community. But you talk and about may state. being the bill of rights and being the first ten amendments, and then you talk about guaranteed civil rights and liberties to the individual, which were independent, which were not part of the bill of rights. Right? Those were implemented in the fourteenth, fifteenth, and thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth amendments. Yeah, it's called history. Correct. And that's but, what we're going to try to review and how we got to where we are today. But even in your item is, stands and what everything affects us that read the art thing. It's what makes us the great city today and honoring our Constitution, state, federal and our Bill of Rights great. and everything else that our history, aviation, all the way from metal arc, from Boeing to the uh, Pacific Air Show. Everything about those things make us great. Sure. And. We got city culture, we got state culture, and we got federal American culture, period. And it doesn't, it's not going to hurt us to have a little bit, five minutes on Channel 3 once a month maybe dedicated to it, or other avenues of, uh, and that's why we bring in uh, the uh, PIOs, Jen, Jennifer Carey and her team, and then we also, and I'm sorry Kathy Shea felt excluded or neglected in some way, but we intentionally included the Historic Resource Board into this because we know their value to it. We know that they are a resource for this. And I'm not sure how she felt so excluded that drew, drew her to resign, but I hope she rethinks it because there was no disrespect put on that. I mean, we value everything, though, every citizen who contributes and volunteers for our city is and that's what makes us again the great city Huntington Beach is and I believe it's one of the greatest cities in the United States and I want us to represent as that and let it be marketed throughout the United States that we are the great one of the greatest cities in this uh, country council member Moser thank you um, I just wanted before I um, say what I have to say I wanted to double check 
on the addition of the Holocaust, was that for a month or a day, or what was the intention for that? And was it going to switch out with something else? I just wasn't sure. Good. I, I, I believe the Holocaust uh, Awareness Month is January, and so uh, I, I like the suggestion um, to, to Councilman Kalmick's uh, point through the chair. Um, look, I think there's some things here that I, I would like to add, and I think all our council members should add things as we go along. Um, one of the things I was surprised that we do not, uh, or have not at least when I was looking at this item, that we haven't had Juneteenth down. I think Juneteenth is something that we should um, celebrate and make aware uh, to, to our public. Um, you know, it was said before, Black History Month. There's, there's things that we, I think we need to add to, to this list, and um, I'm hoping to be a part of that uh, um, group that actually makes these suggestions. But what I would like to say, and I do take exception, um, you know, when someone says an item comes up or a, a H item and says, well, you know, we haven't done, you know, we're, we're supposed to do, you know, uh, the people's work. Well, you know, we are doing the people's work. To say to the public that we haven't been doing the people's work is disingenuous and you know it. Uh, the fact of the matter is last year we did a POA contract that I'm extremely proud of. We just now passed a fire management and fire, uh, uh, the firefighters association. We now, in every measurement through everybody here, reduce homelessness and say we're not attacking homelessness is, is, is being disingenuous. We had a $7 billion out-year out debt that we solved, that we, that we moved and made some reductions in spending in this budget by $7 million to make sure this year's budget is balanced. So to say that, to say that we haven't been doing the people's work because of this H item is disingenuous. And anybody who says that we haven't been doing the people's work I think that's disingenuous. And so with that, yeah, this is not a perfect item at this time. Um, I'm glad that the Holocaust was brought up because I think it's something that we need to acknowledge uh, as a city. Uh, I believe it is January. I could be wrong, but I believe it is January. It is. Um, what? It you know? is. It January is? Okay. 27th. Um, January 27th. And, and there's other things that I would like to see added. This is not perfect. It's an H item that's coming forward. Um, and we need more work to do, but at the time, uh, I, I think the intent is, is honorable in terms of the intent. So to be clear again, is it the day or the month? Are you, I'm just, well, hold on real quick, just because there's one already on here that's a different month, so I just wanted the founders piece, so is it just I'd like to that? have that on Jan, in January since Holocaust Remembrance Day is January 27th. Okay. I'd like to have that in January. For the month? For the month. Okay. So just in addition, it's not going to replace the founder's legacy, but it's no. going to be in addition to. So two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have a, uh, just a couple of notes and then um, some other things. So um, one, um, you know, you mentioned the Juneteenth should be celebrated. It has been celebrated here in the city. It's a federal holiday. It's been celebrated. Right. It's not on the list because these are things that have already been happening and they're part of a larger um, list or, um, you know, array of dates and months that have already been celebrated over time. Um, another thing as well, you know, I, we have been doing the people's work. I think that this is the first item that gets brought forward is not indicative of or demonstrative of us doing the work that we should be doing. And yes, we can rub our stomachs and pat our heads at the same time. I'm not saying that we can't do that, but this is not the thing that we should be focusing on. Um, 
Councilmember McKeon saying that, and maybe you didn't mean it this way, but this is how it came across, that staff's work has been haphazard and unorganized, I think was really disrespectful to staff. Um, you know, if you had a concern with the way that things were being um, put forward, perhaps that was a better discussion to have offline about that. Also, um, the fact that the series would be intended to be free of any identity politics and political agendas. As one of our public commenters said earlier, I feel like that was really a red flag that in fact, perhaps that is a concern here. Um, you know, with regards to um, you know, things like the Holocaust, I, I too think that we should memorialize that and remember it, um, which is why we have celebrated Holocaust Remembrance Day here in the city, I know on our social media, et cetera. Um, you know, I personally am a, I have a bachelor's in history, uh, US and modern European history, took a semester class on the Holocaust, had survivors come in and express what they went through. And um, I'm, you know, with no time to prepare, um, I am concerned about what part of the Holocaust we'll be focusing on. Um, which stories will we share? Um, if we had time to do this right and with the right experts with expertise, we would probably see if um, stories had already been gathered from this community um, to talk specifically about the role perhaps of those residents here in Huntington Beach, maybe past or present, um, and you know how they experienced that and provide their story. Um, but the reality with this is uh, history, as you said, I think Councilmember McKeon, you said that we're making this too complicated. And the thing is, is history is really complicated. And this isn't a fun exercise. Um, I do think that there are things that are fun exercises, and that is, you know, I have been in the schools when um, uh, Chris Upting actually has uh, done some curriculum about the city of Huntington Beach and the history here. And I think that it's so interesting. And I, I see some value in further exploring that, although that's already happening on our YouTube channel. Um, but perhaps in expanding things like that, um, that makes sense. But I don't know why we can't do that and also continue doing the good work that we've already been doing. Um, so I think that this proposal, while perhaps rooted in good intention, raises fundamental questions about the role of our council and the priorities of our city. On this effort, again, as I mentioned, I bring not only my perspective as a council member, but also my background with the bachelor's in history. As a council, our primary responsibility is to serve the immediate and tangible needs of our community, and that includes managing our city's budget, maintaining and improving infrastructure, ensuring public safety, and fostering economic growth. The proposed program to honor our city's history, though culturally significant, falls outside of the scope of these critical functions. While acknowledging the cultural significance of our history as a historian, I recognize that such an endeavor, though potentially valuable, may not align with these primary responsibilities. Moreover, presenting a comprehensive historical narrative is a complex task. It involves not only celebrating our triumphs, but also acknowledging and confronting our darker chap chapters. My academic background in history has taught me the importance of a balanced representation, and I caution against the risks of oversimplification or inadvertent sanitizing of our past as well. I, I have some concerns, some that were already mentioned, but I don't think that it was, maybe it was clarified now. Um, I wanted to see with this item 
not only what we're gaining, which are these themes that have been proposed, but also what are we going to lose or have taken away. Um, and I think the first one was I wanted to clarify um, you know, if there was an ability to continue to celebrate National Heritage Months. If you and or this group want to um, move forward with these items, um, I don't see why, just as you've mentioned, adding on the Holocaust for January, why we could not continue to provide um, the information to the community on all of these different groups and these different months that are already there and which, with which we already have contact, content that has been created in the past. Um, I don't know why it can't be a this and. Um, another thing, you know, when I look at this, and I know that you've offered for future, you could change the themes to different ones, but I, I'm curious about, um, you know, when do you start, right? So we have um, the revolution, we have the Civil War, um, we have, I think, the founding of California as well, um, but we didn't talk about you know, the indigenous people that lived here, as Councilmember Kelmick mentioned. A way to, to provide that honoring of history is perhaps to put forward a land acknowledgement, to recognize, respect, and affirm the ongoing relationship that those people have with this land. I think that would be a way to include more people's stories and the history within, um, within, this, within our community. I think that's something perhaps we should do in general. Um, but back to, and I, I understand what um, Councilmember Strickland was saying with regards to, you know, we, we can do a lot of work and we can do this. But the reality is we have looming budget deficits, pressing infrastructure needs, and I don't think this is the most prudent use of our time and resources. Is this the role that our constituents expect us to play? And to say that Jennifer Carey, as our PIO, well, she can just, you know, dive into this. And I know she has a team as well, but, um, you know, every time that we add on to staff, um, you know, and this in particular, um, you know, this is adding on. So we talked about before with our strategic plan of having to remove something. Like, this is adding on to their work. Adding another committee as well, um, you know, when I, I think it was made very clear, we have our historic resources board. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, it's so unfortunate um, that Ms. Shea um, resigned from that tonight because she provides so much expertise to our city, to our community, to that board. And really, um, if you were to do this, it would make the most sense to just house this in that space and have those liaisons work from there. I don't know why you would need to add an additional board with additional people, um, because that does, as has been mentioned in the past, create more um, burden on staff. Um, and in this case, this already exists, and the liaisons already exist. Um, and you know, and those human resources are professional staff, and those with expertise, they should be the one trusted to plan and implement the programs based on that expertise. With input from council, I have no problem with council saying, "Hey, maybe we want to do some more." Um, but we have to rely on those that have the expertise. Um, and while acknowledging the importance of our city's history, I believe that our role as council members is to prioritize initiatives that have a direct and positive impact on our community's present and future. 
and we need to refocus our efforts on the urgent and pressing needs of Huntington Beach, ensuring that our decisions and actions best serve the best interests of all of our residents. And while I deeply value our city's history, I love history, I want us to know more about our history, our immediate role as council members is to prioritize those needs of the community that directly impact them. So let's channel our efforts and our resources to do that. Refocusing on the urgent and pressing needs and drawing upon the lessons from our history. Um, this is too complicated and takes too many resources. Um, and also my real concern is um, I think that you, for, for want to expand and maybe organize, you are taking away the focus on groups that have been marginalized throughout history and who actually have these federal months and or holidays like Juneteenth. They're recognized for a reason and they also have um, resources that are out there. National Council of Public History, the National Archives, Smithsonian, all of those things are already out there and we've utilized those in the past. Um, so I just, it, it, it really concerns me that we're looking to exclude those things and also to really not value the expertise of our staff and of our community members who are already doing this really important work. Um, and as Councilmember McCalmick added also, who's the audience? Because depending upon if it's kids, youth, adults, um, you know, again, I think the city of Huntington Beach history, a lot of people don't know about. Uh, I think that that is a cool thing to, to add and to focus on perhaps. Um, but a lot of these other items are things that are discussed and reviewed in school, and high school, elementary, middle school. I don't know that it's the best use of our human resources, which ultimately is our financial resources. Thank you. I'd like to move the previous question. Clerk, please call the vote. I have a comment, if oh, I may, please. I, sorry, Thank you. So I have a couple of questions. So my first question is, just so that I understand, was the Historic Resources Board consulted before the item was um, put on the agenda? No, 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 it wasn't. And I, when I talked to Kathy Shea um, over the weekend, <clears throat> I, you know, I apologized to her. I said that I wasn't the intent. I fully expected them to be involved um, with this exercise, as I stated tonight. And so, um, you know, I'm surprised that she after that conversation, I thought it went really well, and I clarified that I would make that statement that they would be highly involved. It's written in the agenda item, which she had read. Um, so I'm very surprised that um, she made that statement based on the conversation we had. I mean, it's in the agenda item that they'll be working with the Historic Resources Board. And again, to elevate them, right? And use our platform to elevate the Historic Resources Board. So the second question is, um, if we are going to erase the existing you know, commemorations, I don't know what all of those are. So does anybody have a list of what all of those are? Because it would be, that's an important piece of information for me to be able to make a decision. Does anybody on staff have a list of the current commemorations? I asked staff for those. I don't know if you have them. Well, no, but I, I don't with me, but it's, I wanted to address your comment that you made, uh, Council Member Mosier, about the, it was perceived that I was disrespecting staff. And to answer your question, I was not. I mean, my exact quote was, the issue is that these current monthly celebrations are fragmented, inconsistent, and relatively unorganized between the departments. So to answer your question, there's a lot of different themes that different departments celebrate. Some years they do, some years they don't, and it's not organized. And so that was what I was trying to clarify. There's this huge list of things that 
Sometimes are celebrated, some aren't. So this distills it down to 12 months that we can all focus on and plan accordingly, and that'll streamline and make things more efficient. So I think to answer your question, it's, I'm sure it's a big list of current things, but it's not always consistent. And so then the final question, and I think Councilmember Kalmick asked this before, is why can't we do a both and? Why does it have to be an either or? Why does it have to be either the proposed calendar mm -hmm. or the existing commemorations? I don't, why do we have to eliminate the celebration of Women's History Month in 2024? Again, this doesn't preclude that from happening in future years, right? The committee will, will look at it. I, I think I like the way it's written in 24. That's why I made the motion. And then the committee will work with the Historic Resources Board, the community, the residents, staff, and populate the calendar for 2025 and the events you guys mentioned. Uh, nothing precludes those events from being a part of that future calendar or future calendars just like they are currently, uh, fragmented amongst the departments. So this makes it more organized and streamlined and efficient. So those things were left out. Those are, you know, celebrations that I think most people are aware of. Most people are aware that March is Women's History Month. Most people are aware that June is Pride Month at this point. The fact that those are being left out of this proposal is, <laughs> that says something, that sends a message to the community. Um, again, I, I would, I would, again, I wouldn't take that away because like I said, nothing precludes that, those events from being celebrated in future years. Um, to, to counter that, a lot of these uh, events people don't know about, right? You just mentioned all the events that people do know about. These are events that people don't know about and should learn about, especially as it relates to Huntington Beach. So that's why I thought it was a, a, a pretty cool exercise to go through. And like I said, now the fifth time, it, the events you mentioned, nothing precludes that from being celebrated in future years. So I would offer a friendly amendment then that we have this list that's been proposed in addition to the commemorative months that the city already has on the books. I, I won't support that because I like the way it's written. And again, the, you, the, you have the mechanism for future years to, to celebrate those months that you just mentioned. And those months are being celebrated, like you said, every place else, on TV, in our, you know, nationally and everything. This is Huntington Beach. And it's just a little bit of focus and let people uh, see what we're, what's special. Well, in the, in the absence of an answer to the question for why we can't celebrate both of those things at the same time, I can't support the item. Understand. It is being celebrated, just not by... Just not in Huntington Beach. Focused in... It is in Huntington Beach, just outside our library and every place else. Madam Clerk, I, I call the previous question. Please call the vote. It was actually moved by McKeon and second by Burns. Councilmember Mosher? No. Bolton? No. Burns? Yes. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Kalmick? No. The item passes 4-3. I move to adjourn. Second. Meetings adjourned. The Huntington Beach City Council Public Financing Authority regular meeting for January 3rd, 2024 has been canceled. The next regular scheduled meeting will be held on Tuesday, January 16, 2024 at the Civic Center Council Chambers, 2000 Main Street, Huntington Beach, California.